I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Lott. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Are we doing it? The line is hot. We Man. were just talking about Britney Spears, yeah. so we're going to have to change gears a little You're bit. welcome, audience. I spared you the Britney Spears discussion. Oh, my God. <laughs> Unless you listen to this crap as an audio podcast. And sorry about your luck. We don't, don't know. We'll pick it up. Man, uh, I would say it's been quite a break for everybody. But uh, for those of us in the room, I did not produce the last episode until this past week. So the one with Mel on. Oh, so someone had... A new episode a week ago that we recorded a month ago? Yeah, yeah. So if you're hearing all of this late, uh, all of you are are catching up at least. The last episode was late. I didn't say why. Um, Our mastering service went down. Um, They they just stopped responding, just stopped working, didn't answer emails. Uh, It's like $5 a month fee, two months in a row. After two months of paying it and no response, I found a new service. So we're back up. We're running. Um, Should be able to produce this first thing tomorrow morning. I've given up on producing at night when y'all leave. I just turn off my computer and go that to sleep. That seems like the move you would just eventually make. You ever leave your rig unpacked at the drop zone? Yes, but I, it's a rarity for me. I didn't do it for like many years and years and years. And now, oh man, saving it to the next day is a strong temptation that I usually resist. But it feels so good to just leave it for the next day until the next day shows up. Are it, you flying a, uh, like a hybrid canopy though? Like, uh, where you could, like, justify the excuse? Yeah, like, well, I don't want to leave it but I, but I know that's bullshit. <laughs> I, I don't think it matters nearly as much with some of the hybrids that, um, like, PD is making. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've got some smart engineering to, I mean, let's be real. The average everyday fun jumper is not going to pack up a rig, decide not to jump, and unpack it because it's made of a special material, and then have to repack it. So I, I think manufacturers who can build hybrids and take that in consideration are smart. So Yeah, I've I've uh, not jumped a full sail canopy, but I sure have uh packed one a number of times. It's yeah, it feels so weird. And it feels like it's gonna break. Feeling that thing, you could convince me to believe that I shouldn't leave that packed for an extended period of time. Like when you flake it, you think it's gonna just like crackle and Yeah, half. it just <laughs> is the weirdest feeling. It doesn't move like uh Every other parachute I've ever packed. So, yeah, it's different. Man, so speaking of canopy materials, it slides me right into a, a conversation. Did you see first fucking place at World Meet? Did you see who won? I saw exactly 0% of what happened at the World Do, Meet. So Josh and I just spent some time at the World Meet. I was also at the Hall of Fame event. So those of you listening, we're going to catch up and, and learn a little bit about these events because I knew jack shit about the World Meet. Before these last two weeks. Well, I'm asking questions on behalf of all the people who know jack shit about the world meet because... You represent ignorance. Yes, exactly right. Perfect. Uh, Spin, a gentleman from Canada, won on a fluid wings canopy. And that is where things get interesting because, let's be real, PD is top of the heap. They've been top of the heap for years for a damn good reason. And Scott Roberts and Fluid Wings are starting to build some really dynamic wings and pushing the limits. And I think more and more people are getting on board with his designs. And to see another competitor, another wing out there pushing those limits and pushing that, 
Good for them, man. Super good for them. Competition breeds improvement, right? Now the next nine were PD. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's the actual stat. But it was super cool to see somebody different or something different. Um, I'm a PD guy. I like my PD wings. Um, I'm a huge fan of Scott Roberts and Cola, the owners of Fluid Wings. And like you said, competition breeds it, man. It, it's things will continue to get better. Things will continue to evolve. And it was super cool to see. The young up-and-comer in canopy design really pushing the top of the pedestal. So he placed 26th in one of the three events and still took overall first. Wow. It was – he took first in – I think it was was time. No, no, that was the wrong event. Uh, first in – So we got Zonac, Speed, and Distance. Right? Yeah. And he took 26 and 1. Can you pull up in time scoring and, keep, and help us keep track of scores and stuff, please, Joshua? Uh, I would, but uh... – there wouldn't be anything on it, so I'll pull up on score instead. No, it's, oh, it was in time for. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, 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 pull up FAI's website. FAI, you're gonna have to search the FAI website to find the results, um, and everything will be on there, and it'll be a little bit easier to track. So, um, um, the man, so the the shot Jock, Josh just took over the bow is OmniScore is. <laughs> are you familiar with OmniScore? Uh, only that I've used it to look up. Uh, Scores for nationals for the last however many years. We'll get back to all of that. So this guy, Sven, I, I'm going to sidetrack myself, uh, took first and second in two different events. In the third event, he took 26th. Mm-hmm. Um, not only did he do good at those, which allowed him to place first, but that's how dynamic the competition was. It was all of the biggest badasses in the world. All, all your best canopy pilots out there just fucking slugging it out, dude. Slinging heat. I guess if you were in 26th and the 25 people above you all had a really similar score, it could have less of an impact when all of your scores are combined, right? Yeah, it really can, especially if the top three guys aren't the top three guys every time. Right. Um, it, it was just crazy to see. Imagine the best swooper you see on our DZ. And then everybody we watched that week was better than him. Um, it just, it's crazy to watch these people out there doing what they do. All right, what do you want to know? Um, so, uh, canopy piloting performance. Are you on that one? It's going to be one of the bottom of the list on that score sheet. Per- like overall performance? Yeah, yeah. And because overall performance should give you all three with rankings of 26, 2, and 1. The top is Finn. The top is Finn. Yeah. Uh, do you, what did he place 26 then? Accuracy. Accuracy. And then, yeah, and then second was... Speed and first and distance. It's not accurate, but it goes far and fast. <laughs> Hell yeah. Man, it was a lot of fun. It was crazy to see. So it was a good time. Um, dude, it's been a busy couple weeks. It, it has been nuts. Josh, what were you doing? Uh, a whole lot of nothing. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, so, uh, so I went officially as uh, Team Speeds. So this is going to sound really weird, but officially, <laughs> I went as Team Speeds coach. And anybody who probably knows me knows that I know nothing about about the speed. You know about flying speed. Um, the the best coaching advice I had was go faster. So like, <laughs> solid advice, though. So, no, but the way it works, how did he place? Is uh, oh, team speed took gold. Sounds so, like you yeah, did pretty US, fucking US good. Took gold. So the way it works, the it, team did. Is the first the place team individual did. was a Correct. guy named Marco. We'll get to him. Yeah. Uh, so the way it Correct. works is that by regulation, by FIR regulation, each team, 
each team, each discipline on each team is allowed to send a team manager, and then it can also be accompanied by a team coach. And most of the time, that's utilized as, as a second team manager, so that they have, you know, the, so that they can have the most logistical support there available. Um, they'll use kind of two managers rather than. And if you want to have a coach, then you can have a coach. But um, a lot of times that'll be, you know, like your, you know, maybe FS might might have a coach. But at that level, they're really they're really not having a whole lot of. Coaching. Yeah, they usually don't have a coach because Airspeed coached everybody on their way to first and taking yeah, that goal much. home. It was ridiculous. Um, Canopy Piloting's uh, U.S. coach was a young jumper from Houston. I believe Nathan Scholl is his name. That's it. Yeah. Um, nice dude. I don't know if you recognize him. I uh, I saw him at the DZ, asked Chuck, like, yo, who's the dude over there in the Spaceland jersey? I think I know who he is. And he's just a young jumper. And uh, a good example of what a team coach can be is TJ Langren had a chop and and Chris Wagner was the team manager and Josh was the assistant team manager or the, the coach and they helped organize getting that dude he landed on a forty minute call and they had his main hook back up. Sonic from the ranch had to reserve his reserve repacked and between all of them and above they had him back on that call with zero issues, man. Isn't that so amazing? That was one of the coolest I think that's one of the coolest things I saw at Worlds was was absolutely you know, I mean there was the the, the loads are so tight that they're like, Look, we can't push him or he, you know, he's he's gonna have to skip a you know, skip around. And uh yeah, I mean it, that that was, you know, the staff there at Scott of Arizona. I mean, before we could even get back, they'd already f- located his main free bag, found it and brought it back to the to the drop zone. I guess it helps that it is a giant desert out there and there's not a whole lot to, <laughs> no for trees it to hide in. But yeah. regardless, uh and, and you know, of course Sonic was there, but Sonic was there as a team manager. So he didn't he didn't pack a bunch of rigorous tools or anything like that. So, you know, I I went out with a couple guys just looking. Hey, any rigger that's got tools, we need tools. And like riggers were coming out of the woodwork, and uh, you know, from Arizona and everywhere else that that was there, and, and just bringing tools over. And then and then yeah, Sonic did a reserve repack in about thirty minutes. Uh, and he was uh, on a forty minute call, and he was at the loading area ten minutes prior. <laughs> that's that's I, awesome. I was just I was just blown away by you know people coming over. Hey, what can we do to help? I mean, there was packers there that were helping TJ because his lines are all kinds of screwed. So they're sitting there trying to work his mane out and do all this stuff. And it was just I mean, it was such a combined effort with nobody really having to ask. Everybody was just pouring into to help. And TJ himself, who's you know I, I got to know over the last week really well, is somewhat of an emotional guy too. And I mean, he was he was. He landed from that, from his chop, and he was just devastated. I mean, he put his head in his hands. He thought he was done. He was like, no way I'm going to be able to get up on this next load. I'm going to zero out. I'm, I'm going to be screwed. And then for all that to happen, like, he just, you know, I'll get on the next load. It just He had that same level of energy, just giant smile on his face and just ready to go. So it was, it was super cool. Man, it was super cool to see TJ. I, I really hope that he can be in town sometime soon. Him and I have kept in a good touch over the years, and he has a sobriety that I've never known him to have. Um, you know that person, that friend who really needs to find sobriety, and when they find it, there's that liveliness in their eyes, that spark in their eyes. I haven't seen TJ. We've communicated a shitload, but I haven't seen him since he's gotten sober, and, and to see him immediately, I saw something in his face. Immediately, I saw something in his eyes. And to see him so lit up, and then to see him after that next round land, like as elated as he was to get on the plane when he landed, I think it had settled in, so you could see that joy uh, of community that he had. Um, um, Maybe he'll tell his own story one day, and honestly, I believe he very gladly will. Um, He seems to be a man who wants to learn from his mistakes and own every action he's made. Um, And our 
private conversations about issues he's had. All he has been able to talk about is his mistakes and the issues he has and how he can own them. Um, and I think for a man who has journeyed so hard and, tr- and made so many mis- some made some mistakes, he he really felt the warmth of our community. And I mean, God, dude, winning a gold medal is cool as fuck. I don't know. I just could only imagine it is. But but the community that was at World Games was a whole nother conversation, man. It was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, I mean that, that agreed. It, it was just the energy there. I mean, I've been to a bunch of nationals, right? And I, and the energy there is absolutely amazing. But Worlds just kind of brought it to a new level. So, Josh, I want you to help me with like very brief answers because I want to lead Nick into something. Yep. How many rounds were there in speed? Eight. 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 So, of eight rounds of speed, how many of those eight rounds would have the winner been able to break the previous world record? Gosh, uh, you ask it like it happened a large number of times. So, you know, out of eight, I'd say three. Eight. <laughs> so they they stepped it up every round. Is that, that's so no, he would have set the previous record each time. So it didn't. So one, two, three, and four. Marco Hepp from Germany, absolutely brilliant dude. How big is Marco Hepp, by the way? He's I've, a speed world champion, a speed world record holder. I mean, the people that I've seen compete well in speed are uh, huskier fellas. Exactly. He's a thicker version of you. He's okay. a little bit taller than you. He's a little bit thicker than you, but he is, he is, it's, he's dense maybe, mm-hmm. but he's not a big dude. So the previous record, I believe, was 512, 514, somewhere in that We're range. We're talking kilometers per hour. Kilometers, kilometers per hour. Per hour. Yep. Um, his first run was 520 something, then 520 something again, then 527. Um, he eventually, I think it was the fifth round, his set his lowest score at 522. Every single round would have beat the world record and if you don't want to do math the dude was pushing to 325 to 330 miles an hour every fucking round yeah his average was yeah his average 527 five, five, yeah 527 five no yeah somewhere around there um, there were there were 34 world records set in the speed event alone wow Total. that's amazing yeah, yeah you, when it comes to like you know, guys that had all over 500 kilometers per hour for, mm-hmm. for jumps and, and the but female. I feel like the, that that's a recent hurdle that's been uh, left over, right? Is, is the 500 kilometer an hour mark? The 500 club is a rarer club. It's a smaller goal. But and didn't, that, didn't that just happen for the oh, first re- time yeah. like not long ago? In the last about two to four years. And it's only the last couple of years. So five people, I think it ended up being seven people, somewhere on that line, averaged over 500. All of them would have been super competitive in the last two to three, uh, four, uh, last couple world meets. Um, now you need to do that to make top five easily. Um, Jimmy McCarthy from the UK set the new British uh, speed record. I think it was 512, if I remember right. His goal was to average uh, 500, yep. uh, every run be over 500. Was five, it five, t- 512. Yeah. yeah. And he did that successfully. Shane Turner from Australia set the Oceanic Mail record. Um, uh, I don't remember what the Oceanic Mail record was, but he was podium kind of level dude. What, what? Uh, he's fourth, yeah. What was his uh, highest run? 518. 518 is the Oceanic record. Uh, Tish, Natasha Dingle, a little Aussie lady, she... Uh, not so little. Not so little, but uh, <laughs> man, her heart is, is huge too. She set the women's Oceanic record, then the women's world record, and then broke the women's world record again. I think 479 is her high run or something like that. Man, lots of numbers. Uh, 47. 47. No, 491. Sorry. 491. She just kept pushing it up there. Um, so many records. Uh, it, it was just unbelievable. And 
I think four or five of the men would have set the new world record if Marco was not just out there cruising like a god. Yeah, it, it was it was hilarious, and, and speed was such a you know I got to learn a lot about speed, I, you know, a, a good deal about FS, but not a whole lot about speed. So I got to learn a whole lot about speed, and and it's such a juvenile sport. It hasn't been around for that long in this you know kind of current. Um, you know, kind of current configuration not before it, you know, before it was speed and, and style, right? It was speed mm-hmm. and style, but, um, but, uh, so I, I got to learn a lot about it. And, and it's so young that these guys are still, I mean, even at the, you know, world competition, are still kind of altering what they're doing a little bit to try to squeeze some stuff out. You know, you would think, you know, you take four way FS and it's like, oh, a 21, no, a 21's done this way. That's how everybody does it. That's how you do it. If you want to be good, if you want to be fast, that's how you do it. You know, but speed, it's everybody kind of had a little bit of different you know, style, a little bit of different way of doing things. And then the last few rounds, like everybody's just trying to watch Marco, like leave the door. Like, how is he leaving the door? Like, you know, cause, and because once again, like, like DJ said, it's generally been a, you know, sport for bigger guys, but Marco proved that that's not the case, man. Well, my, my understanding is there's a window in which they're measuring the speed right through a certain altitude. Correct. It's uh, 7,400 uh, 7, feet to uh, a little over 5,000 feet. It's probably some meters that, translate yeah okay but yeah so it's that window where your speed gets measured so a lot of them get a little dis- disappointed because sometimes they'll max out their speed at like right at five thousand feet it's just outside the window but that gives them time to slow down you know because if you if anybody ever you know sees anybody do speed and you stand in the landing area like you can't see them you hear them it sounds like a jet it sounds like like when a vk rushes by you that you know but it's but it just sounds like a jet in the air, and you're like, what is that? And it's somebody traveling a freaking 500 kilometers an hour. You and know? it's crazy because you're hearing like three of them at once. Yeah. It really it's it's weird. So how many people are they putting out on a pass? Yeah, that was some controversy too. <laughs> uh, you have better numbers. And for this. the reason I ask is I understand that uh, most of them have a tiny bit of like a belly orientation. Yeah, it kind of depends, but yes, correct. And our, and our, 90 degrees is not the optimal. Yeah, pure vertical is not. Yeah, you want, moving. you know, 87, 86, 85. Mm-hmm. So, um, so at the start. But, but they're moving a little bit. I mean, correct. Not yeah. to say that any, you know, that 87 to 90, you know, the difference there. That sounds like a reasonable tolerance for sure. most skydives, right? <laughs> but uh, so the, the way the rules read is that as you exit, the first person that exits should turn 90 degrees to the right of jump run. Okay. And then the second person turns 90 degrees to the left and, you, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, in this particular comp, they put uh, 16 jumpers on a plane. Uh, and it was all speeders, so that whole plane was was speeders. speeders? Yeah, that, yeah, that's what they were referring <laughs> so to. Cool. I'll get used to it, I'm sure. And uh, <laughs> and so at the beginning, they were putting out uh, they were putting out f- four passes of four people. So four people that do go around, four more people do go around, so on and so forth. Um, that became a little bit of an issue because um, speeders go out at at about thirteen five. So. Um, so they're at thirteen five, and you look at the elevation of Eloy, which is about two thousand feet, a little under. But um, so now you've got a bunch of people staying at, you know, at almost fifteen five for a while. A while, yeah. Um, so that there were there were some high, you know, talk of. I mean, of God, they, re- they really only need a minute and a half go around, right? Yeah, it's not very long, but I mean, you, you get that you get that last. You know that last group that's in the plane that's been above you know ten or above twelve grand for you know yeah. probably solid ten twelve minutes. Mm-hmm. So um, so the second day they started putting three passes with six out uh, six you know if six six and five or whatever it was okay um, out on a pass to try to reduce that and that seemed that, and then this and then they provided them with supplemental oxygen as well so just to make sure that there wasn't any 
um, you know, any, you know, just to, just to make sure everybody was good. So then there wasn't any. Do homeless. you know Henrik? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, he had one just absolutely dud of a round. Um, Swedish speed guy. He has been top five for like the last four world meets in a row. Um, just super gem of a dude. Um, he would have been podium if it wasn't for that round. Is that the, was that that, do you know that round? Yeah, because it was, I mean, he, Henrik averaged 506 and all of a sudden throws up a 477. Cause I think that was the last run of that day. Uh, and I think yeah, around, cause day one was two rounds. Day two was, was, um, was three rounds. Yeah. So yeah, round five. I, I don't think, uh, Henrik made any real noise of it, but I was hanging out with him quite a bit. He spent a lot of his time in the LMB tent and, uh, I, I think he was affected by. It. I think he was on that because didn't they rotate who was out first, second, yep. third, and that was his go around. That was him to go last, and I think he it really affected him. Um, I mean, the dude should have been on the podium if it wasn't for that one round. I mean, I chimed in, you know, when the the, the talk came up, and I tried to, you know, just you know do do what was ever, whatever was needed. So I didn't I didn't provide a lot of input, but when that talk came up. I did, and a lot of that was because, uh, you know, one of my four-way teammates this year, Laura Galdemez, um, she did extensive testing. I mean... Smiley. Uh, she smiles so much. Yeah, she did over 500 jumps this year with uh, a pulse ox attached to her with an you know, O2 sensor. And the whole point was to build data on, you know, what we think is, you know, what we think is being hypoxic versus, you know, actually medically, are we... You know, are we hypoxic? And you know? by the way, she's a doctor. If you don't, know. yeah, th- no, yes, you thank know you. She's a full fledged yeah. doctor. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, 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 like I messaged her during the event. And I said, "Hey, look, there's this discussion on on you know hypoxia." I said, "You know, I, I'm not looking for a bunch of data, but what did your preliminary results tell you?" And we'd had this discussion before, but basically, um, you know, over ten grand, over twelve, even twelve grand for just a few minutes, and your pulse ox are dropping radically. So, she sent me some data on a. Um, uh, it was a team pass. It was ten five, uh, you know, in Houston or San Marcos. So okay, a couple hundred feet, but it was a ten five pass where we had to do a go around, and her pulse ox was at seventy seven percent. So her O two sat was at seventy seven percent. And anybody knows anybody that's like anything under ninety is is you're, you you can start to feel the effect. So at ten five with one go around, and it's at seventy seven. I can only imagine what these guys were at fifteen plus Man, that- for. Over ten minutes, she she did all this uh, testing on herself. Yeah, man, that's interesting enough that that well, would be cool to try on a, a larger group of people. So, so so I, I won't you know I won't uh, you know I won't give away her research or anything like that. But that's the uh, from what we talked about. That's her plan. Her plan was to provide enough preliminary data to to literally um, on herself to say this is a something that needs to be researched further. I get really nervous on the airplane. Give me one. Yeah. So, uh, and, and I think her plan is to continue with that and, and really do some actual empirical full blown research into it with a, with a larger uh, subset. I think I'm positive. Uh, I know how to overcome the setbacks of, of hypoxia. Is it singing a John Bon Jovi song with no, a friend? I'm just too dumb to that's feel it. That's CPR. <laughs> oh, no. That's a. Uh, that's staying alive. Staying alive. Yeah, that's one of them. BG's no, it's, it's uh, oh, we're halfway. <laughs> yeah, that's how you bond with a friend. That's how you make a, a heartfelt Meh. connection. There is a whole playlist. I don't remember who shared it. It might, it might have been like the American Heart Association had a whole <laughs> playlist on Spotify or something of uh, songs that are the same beat per minute that, that keep you on the right pace for CPU. I just want to, if somebody ever has to do that, like I want to I want to see them like, somebody pull up the playlist. I need to know how fast to do this. <laughs> Man, I'm gonna find a CPR player. So I want to kind of dwell on Josh's job just for one second when it comes to world meet, 
Um, and, and I'll be real. Uh, love you, Josh. You did a fucking great job there. Yeah, but he, he really is the least important guy there. He spent 100%. literally, literally, uh, probably a lot more than half his time just doing his personal media, social media, funsy stuff. Now, he was doing it while running between helping speed stuff, but um, there's times he hung out in the LB tent and did little to nothing except for catch up on his. Is, do you use Twitter, Parler, uh, no. Snapchat? No. Um, OnlyFans. Can I find you on OnlyFans? I don't know. We'll see if you can find me on OnlyFans. <laughs> Let's go. Um, how much did you get paid while you wasted all that time? Uh, zero dollars. Oh, cool, man. And how much? And two bananas. And how much did they pay of your room? Zero dollars. And how about your airfare? <laughs> zero. Oh shit. Well, and I really, I'm not, I'm not shining on Josh to say this. I want to shine on all those guys and gals who help the U.S. team. They are literally volunteering and helping on their own dime, showing up to support the system and be part uh, of the team. And to me, that's just really cool to see those guys and gals. Yeah, all management this year, and in most worlds, you know, management gets their accommodations and travel room and board covered. But because it was in the U.S., um, you know, and the USPA was really trying to push most of those funds that had been reserved for that back to the teams. Um, you know, they, they made sure and understand that, hey, team management, we're not covering, you know, accommodations. So, and all the team management was fine with that. They, you know, were happy to see that the actual competitors were actually getting, uh, Albert came out with a video, uh, a couple days ago, basically explaining all the fundraising and where that money's going. It's super educational. Um, but he, he said, uh, he said, I'm excited to announce that we're going to have to issue almost all of the, uh, all, all the competitors, the I, yeah, IRS W2 because you're getting, you know, more than $600. Uh, he goes, I know that sounds weird, but we're just happy that we're able to give, you know, and, and, and for most of the competitors, it's a lot more than, I, I say a lot more, it's, it's more than $600, but they're just so happy to be able to be giving that money back to the competitors to try to help with their, um, you know, accommodations. And I think know, it was something like $62,000 is what came out of the team trust. Uh, the trust, I'm or not the yes. trust, but that was total issued. Yes. Um, between the two. Yeah. Yeah. Between, yeah. I was the videographer for that video, so ah, gotcha. uh, Albert was sitting with me, or I was sitting uh, with Albert uh, as the last speed of round was going. I was like, hey, DJ, man, I got to shoot a video real quick. Hold my phone. You'll be my camera guy. That way I don't have to do selfie mode. I'm like, great, no problem. Hold it right here. And six and a, six and a half minutes later, he goes, okay, I'm done. I'm like, oh, you should have warned me about this length. Dude. I could have like held it in a more comfortable. I was so uncomfortable during that. You were ready for a 30-second uh, little banger. Oh, yeah, yeah like, yo, blah, blah, blah. And he kept, and he had a, he had a uh, app called Teleprompter, so it was facing him, so I couldn't see the screen, so I didn't know exactly where Oh, you're shooting angle. blind, baby. I'm shooting blind, man. So I slowly move, like I'm focused on the camera, the 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 the, the phone so that's not moving try and get my elbows braced just right so i can re- oh my shoulders are so sore Man, um we, you said six and a half minutes of teleprompter time yeah it Man, was it was long when we shot those uh lb altimeters <laughs> bits with uh te- dude i couldn't do 30 consecutive seconds on the teleprompter <laughs> he, without he, he did a solid job i was impressed yeah I, he did I'll run that thing god bless josh and his editing skills man yeah. he, he made you look good <laughs> oh jeez. Man, I don't know how anyone could for six whole minutes without someone, you know, manually adjusting that teleprompter. That's skill. He's yeah. he's been well practiced he, with that thing. He actually tried to speed up and slow it down, or actually not slow it down. I'll just speed it up during his chat because it was too slow. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had no clue what he's doing. He just kept reaching up to the phone I was holding and tapping on, and I'm like, okay, don't move. We don't move. And at the end, he said he couldn't speed it up, but. 
teleprompter is the app if you ever need i like i can see a couple things i've done here and there if i would have had that it would have been much nicer and i have a like a teleprompter like a reflector oh yeah on, i've seen on that in, man it's so helpful yeah it's crazy i used to uh <laughs> you know i've got some editing uh, uh background and uh <laughs> I, I used to just if i had to do a thing i would keep my laptop up and just memorize it one line at a time four seconds before i had to deliver the line and just cover up all of the moments where i you know pause to look at the screen or whatever but man yeah teleprompter that makes much faster work you don't got to memorize anything you've actually held up an ipad right next to your camera for me in like a teleprompter that mode. sounds about right. And so the uh, real teleprompter would be nice. And I think in the near future, I'll, I'll have to learn to use Josh's because we all have a... You guys will finish the LB video series as the host. I don't plan on, on making any appearances, but the, the video series following that, I think you and I will be the... I wonder host. if I'll be any less uncomfortable no. this time around. <laughs> no. You know, it's, I'm, I'm far more comfortable when it's just me and the camera because no one has to look... No one has to see the ridiculous shit I have to do to get myself through it, you know? But when you guys are there, man. For the most part, while you guys were on camera, I tried to leave the space. I tried to, I don't know if you noticed, I'd walk away and be like, man, I know it would drive me bananas to have somebody, except when we first started, I was making weird gestures at you. Yeah, when it's fun, it's still fun. (laughs) And I think that that uh, playful atmosphere helps. And man, does it uh, extend my patience and gratitude for anyone i've ever put on that side of the camera it's entertaining it's entertaining uh back to it man the 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 u.s team managers uh kudos to all of those guys and gals they really are johnny's on the spot they are gophers um and probably the best practical sense of the word and nobody treats them as such absolutely i didn't see one u.s team member take advantage of one of their team managers or team coaches but I did see those managers and coaches be absolute bitches for them. And I mean that respectfully. They, they did anything they could to make sure our competitors were comfortable, ready, and good to go. I guess yeah. that's about as much of a plan as you can show up with as a manager, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I had to, it, it took a couple days, you know, for, for them to really realize, like, look, guys, like, cause I mean, they're just, they're just skydivers, man. So they're not used to, these aren't pro, I mean, they're pro athletes, but they're not, you know, football athletes on a $20 million contract. Like, they're going to do their own thing and they, they don't, they don't want somebody, they haven't had somebody waiting on them or anything like that. So it took a couple of days for me to say, look, you focus on doing every, if I can go get you food, I can go get you caught. I mean, it's not, that's why we're here. So let, let me do that for you. And, and so finally they are, you know, they'd be resting or something. And I'd see one of them. Oh crap. And you get, I was like, what do you need? And he's like, oh, I was just going to go get a you know, monster. I was like, I got you, man. Like, that's why we're here. Uh, you know, so, so. It's so simple and can identify with being the person who's so willing to be helpful. Mm-hmm. But man, it would take a lot for me to swallow my pride enough to be like, Hey Josh, can you go get me a monster? It, and, and for some of them it did. And, and like I said, it, it took a couple of days, but it, they finally caught on. I watched a, a few of the team managers act like Josh and just be super Mr. Johnny on the spot and offer to do anything. And it was neat because I saw some extremely humble and respectful competitors actually get comfortable with asking people like Josh to do things. And I think that was a testament of the friendship the managers cultivated because I'm not going to ask Josh a stranger to go grab me something, but yo, my homie, can you just grab me something real quick? And it was really cool to see how how the managers fought for the teams, how the managers fought for the teams not only to be comfortable but to also get fair treatment, to get judging done a certain way. Um, they could the, the managers couldn't always affect the way judging was being done, 
Um, a good example, uh, Freestyle was yeah. a fierce fucking battle. And at the end, they wanted to make sure the top three teams were scored last in a certain order. And, and the timing came out on the screen right. Um, the team manager, a fellow named Joss from XP. He, he's, I don't know if you've met Joss. He's been here for some uh, angle events or something. Um, super nice dude. He heard Ascend talking about this. And not only Ascend, but the, the French teams were talking about this with him. And immediately Joss was like, yo, the competitors are looking for this. They're trying to get this. Um, mad respect to the judges and the chief judges. They, they said, hey, we hear you. It's valid. They absolutely respected and, and acknowledged the problem. They also said, in the middle of Junji, we can't change anything. And it, it, everybody stood happy. But everybody spoke politely their word, and everybody listened to each other. It was really cool to see because, let's be real, it's not your normal drop zone environment. There can be a lot more drama. Oh, no, there's definitely uh, more politics involved in the world meet than there definitely is in nationals. And a lot of that came from, you know, kind of like you said, the team management and, and the HOD, the head of delegation. You know, team management coming to head of delegation a lot of times with, hey, look, this is the issues that we're having. And then either the team manager or the head of delegation, you know, finding some unofficial, you know, and I don't, nobody's going behind anybody or anything like that, but like without filing a protest or without filing some sort of official deal, being, you know, asking a question or, or, or just, you know, communicating a concern to the, to, to the responsible party without having, you know, in a manner that's, hey, look, it's just an informational thing, but, you know, here's what we're seeing, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, there was this delicate balance of of being able to kind of politic it like that to make sure that that, like you said, that the competitors are being treated fairly. That and not that they weren't trying to treat anyone unfairly, but it's just, there's a lot going on, you know. So it was uh, it's a very interesting dynamic environment uh, on the social side. I want to say it was a delicate balance of egos, but I don't think there were a lot of egos involved in it. Um, although definitely not on the competitor side. Yeah, a lot of them could have had some egos. I mean, dude. So I said there was some heat in freestyle, and I don't mean heat in, in, in a negative way. I mean competition. So uh, XPSN is the U.S. national team. It is a guy named Jason and a guy named Jake. Jason Brigman and Jake, uh, god damn it. It's <laughs> a unique class. Yeah, Jake, god damn it. It's up, man. Anyways, uh, Jason and Jake are XPSN, and they are a newer team. Jason was the camera flyer for XP Axiom with Josiah Rich. And they were dominant U.S. champions for a while and competed at Worlds uh, for a bit. And, and Jason had broken off and started his own team with Jake at Carlton. And oh man, I was hoping we were going to stick with Mister Goddammit. No, Mister Goddammit, Mister Goddammit. Um, <laughs> they're both good. Uh, no, particularly. I'm sorry, Jason is a good old North Carolina boy, mm. and all the girls listen to him talk, and they just want to melt inside his Sounds mouth. Sounds like someone you get on the podcast. Man, uh, when they pass through, we're probably going to have him on the show. But Jake's like me. He talks a lot. Dude, your Southern accent's pretty good. Did you know where I was born, right? <laughs> yeah. Virginia. You're, you're letting I, it come out. I grew up in Tennessee and Alabama, and I uh, tried not to talk like this, because when I moved to Japan, I was made fun of because I was a stupid Southern hick. <laughs> so I, I well, I, at least your voice has changed, but you're still a stupid Southern hick. Oh, uh, absolutely. So when I moved to Texas, they said you picked up y'all real quick. I'm like, no, nah, y'all been in my vocabulary a long <laughs> time. And and then college was also Tennessee. So I have some good redneck. You in picked me. it up, dude. I uh, I think I've told you, Val, and I have considered East Tennessee as a retail. We're considered all over, but Oregon and Tennessee. 
and Texas are in our top three because they're income tax-free states. Okay, that's reasonable. There's only seven states like, in the nation that don't Ten- have income Tennessee tax. and Oregon seem like two very different uh, landscapes and cultures. Have to you me. been to the Smoky Mountains? No, I have not. Uh, so they're not the same mountains. They're, they're, they're definitely a different landscape. But the Smoky Mountains, East Tennessee, leading into Asheville, North Carolina, is... Have you been there, Josh? Uh, I've been through it, yeah. It is, it is where the term God's country was coined. Yes, it is, it's absolutely gorgeous. Dude, the, the, I went to college in the Knoxville area, and I would go up into the mountains on Saturdays and Sundays and just drive up into the mountains and find fields and places to sit off the side of the freeway to do my homework in the fall because the, the mountains are literally on fire. You know those puzzle pictures you do that are just like fiery-looking leaves? It's That's it. So Axiom, uh, Ascend, sorry. Formerly Axiom. Axiom. They, uh, last world meet was supposed to be Russia, got postponed to 2021 because of COVID. It happened, and literally at the end, just that they got back, and Jake uh, and Jason, no, Jake and Josiah, Jason and Josiah, Axiom, went on their separate ways. Uh, Josiah's just kind of done a long stint in, in in freestyle, he's kind of chilling, kicking back, fun jumping, organizing a little bit. Uh, Jason wanted to move on, picked up Jake. And so they've only been training together for just over a year. They immediately won the Nationals that year, which allowed them to be here as the U.S. team. Mm-hmm. And their goal was a 63-point uh, world meet, which means they average a 9.0. Um, I didn't get official uh, check-ins with Jason and Jake, but uh, Jake was positive a 63 has never been thrown at world meet. Um, he still hasn't confirmed yet, but he's still positive it hasn't, and, and I'm, I'm guessing I'll hear that number at some point. So their goal was a 63. But for, for just to put this in context, freestyles s- scored on a scale from 1 to 10? Uh, 1 to 10, yeah. Okay. So, so it's like, like ice skating. Ice skating. Like other artistic events. Exactly. Correct. There's several rounds that are compulsory rounds, just like ice skating, because we all apparently know how ice skating scored. Uh, so <laughs> She got pretty late. So there's two compulsory rounds. So there's you know a set of compulsory moves that they have to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it's you know they can string those together how they want. So right. there's, so there's the, always a, you know, an artistic, artistic element. Side, yeah. And then the others are all free routines so they get scored by themselves so they're gonna be in a super hot battle with yo and jim johan abby and jim garris are the french freestyle team and yo and jim uh the team name so not just saying them and ascent have it's expected to be a battle yo and jim are absolutely rock solid gods in freestyle that's where the battle is going to come down to but there's third, a better story about that too oh absolutely third place is Probably going to be this French kid, Lucas Collin. Um, Lucas Collin has only been skydiving for just over a year. Wait, has this not happened yet? Oh, this all happened. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. I'm speaking at the beginning. Okay, so I got you. Lucas I got you. Collin has been skydiving just over a year yet. Uh, um, I, I'm really lucky I got introduced to him at the beginning of his skydiving career. Um, he'd been in the tunnel quite a bit. Um, his father, uh, Cyril uh, Collin. Sorry, I cannot. How many Daniels I met this week? Uh, that is Daniel, but in Swiss, it's it's Daniel, and I feel like I have to, like Donji, if you sure. say, yeah, it's like Danji. My God, it's Donji, but that's okay. Um, Surreal Colin is his father, who's a former champ. He he's a badass. That kid has been cranking through the rings. He'll be third. The fight's in first and second. Immediately, it's obvious that it's going to be possibly a three way fight. 
but kind of quickly as sin just keeps that slight step ahead. That slight they keep little ascending bit those sons. Of <laughs> them sons of bitches. They're sexy too, man. Good looking boys. Are I'll they? Tell you Where right are they now. from? Uh, I believe Jake's originally from Florida, and Jason is a North Carolina beaut. America, all right. He is. He is everything about apple pie and britches. Um, I don't know where that. <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. Um, super good guys. Uh, very quickly, it becomes apparent that that they're gonna kind of lead the way, but immediately. France too, which is the Collins, stepped up and they immediately put a lead on France one, which is Joe and Jim. And that battle between France one and France two through the rest of freestyle just was a fucking slain onslaught. Um, it came down to the last round and man, we're criers. Yeah, you and I both. And I sat there and, and the whole event, I was getting to talk to Lucas and, and his dad and to see the pride in that father's eyes. Like, dude, I've never got to skydive with my dad, and I never will. But the motherfucker Lucas took a silver medal home from World Meet with his father. To see how proud his dad was, everybody at this World Meet was talking about those two, and everybody spoke more about Lucas's composure and behavior and the man he acted like. And they talked about his fine. And Surreal just, dude... The look on his eyes, the pride in his face. He, a couple of us, Jake said the same thing. I, we shared a hug with him and the dude just gave a little weep on our shoulders, man. Just a little tears squirted out. And it was just, just so much love, man. It was a really good time. That sounds very special. Like I'm, I'm positive. Even in my eyes, you can see it right now because I feel them leaking. They're just, they're watering the, they're watering my cheeks, make the hair grow on them. <laughs> Well, you should do a handstand. <laughs> I should do a handstand. <laughs> it took a I'm second. Sorry. I'm sorry. I couldn't no, help No, no. It took a second. Did you uh, see when it clicked? Uh, yeah, it did. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, fuck you. <laughs> I do it. Man, fuck you. I do a handstand so I can look you eye to eye. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you'd be closer. <laughs> oh, my God. So that that was... Is it, a, is, his dad's a jumper, too, then? Yeah, yeah. It's real. He's... Been jumping 30 plus years, competitive for a long time. Everybody knows him. He is uh, absolutely a rock star. And, and I hear that he's only got a year into skydiving? Lucas is, yeah, just over a year into wow. uh, skydiving. But I mean, we say that the fourth place team was, you know who Corley mm-hmm, is? Yeah. Corley Boudreaux. She uh, was a fourth place team and did a tremendous job. She's 19. She just started skydiving outside as well. It's, it's been oh, from Canada. Yeah. Oh, they were rock solid. Man. Oh my God. Uh, she, uh, now zero or a hundred percent credit to Coralie. And I don't want to take anything away from her. Her teammate is a guy named, uh, Ben LeMay or Benoit. Uh, and I don't know if you know Ben's name, but she does not have a slouch for a teammate either. Um, she absolutely, uh, has worked hard to get where she is and has the right teammate. But, uh, they came in fourth. The, the, the tunnel is, I get sick of hearing, like, you know, the tunnel, where the tunnel's going to, uh, we're, we're from the tunnel. We jumped in the tunnel. We, 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 we're tunnel rats. We can do everything. And I really get sick of hearing how so many people think they're going to be gods because they did great in the tunnel. But I do love the few who are actually rising up from that crop. I do love seeing it. And I never want to discourage any of those tunnel rats 
from wanting to do what these people have done. But I will say, I've met Maya. You know, uh, Maya K. I can't ever say her last name. The Red Bull guy. I, I, I know who you mean. I don't know her last name. Um, Coralie and Lucas, all three tunnel kids, and all three rock stars, uh, Red Bull athletes, world competitors, medal winners. Um, all three of them have massive shredding time in the tunnel and all came to skydiving with the utmost of humility about how different the sport is and utmost of humility of how to learn. So if you do want to be that tunnel shredder and be like those kids, come in with an open mind and an open heart and you will be Corley. You will be Lucas. You will be Maya. Those kids are just absolutely crushing it. So you will be Maddie. <laughs> Dude, I can't wait to see her jump. Yeah. Someday. Someday yeah. she's going to be killing it. Man. Imagine these little shredders when they're old enough to all skydive. I mean, it's happening, man. It's, it's going down. Yeah, what's his name? Uh, Wittenberg's kids. They're right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, Kaylee and Noah. That's That's them, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's not axiom, not ascend? Um, starts with an A, doesn't it? Aspire. Aspire. What's yeah, I think they're still Aspire. <laughs> they still are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I was chatting with Mike the other day. Um, man, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens to Aspire over the next few years. Yeah, I really hope that they uh, maintain their interest in flying. I do, too. It seems like, uh, you know, as a kid and and taking on an interest that's so big with your parents at such a young age, and it's like, man, they have flying careers that are more extensive than most of my friends who are professional (laughs) skydivers. And so, yeah, I get it. Like, everyone's got their lifespan in uh, anything that they're interested in life, and I I hope that they... uh, you know, I hope actually skydiving will reignite that that flame and that passion for them, and have them stick with it to uh, be better than everybody else for at least a short time, and then leave so we can all feel better about ourselves. Didn't they? Wasn't it because of them, the Aspire kids, that they changed? Uh, they they added a juniors category. So because of the dynamic stuff. Yeah, because they're just so much better. Than <laughs> yeah, and, you know, you're handicapped. I think it's a, a fair argument to make of hey, in comparison, they've got a whole lot oh, more space, more than fair, and a whole lot more power of the wind when they you know weigh a third of what the rest of the competitors weigh. But uh, that's what us adults have to tell ourselves to feel better about our <laughs> exactly. lives, right? But yeah, incredible, incredible flyers. What was uh, is there? There's nothing that appears at Worlds that doesn't appear on some level at Nationals, right? Correct, and I mean at least for us. Um, I mean we cover we cover all of the events uh, at Nationals that Worlds has. I mean not not every not every country's Nationals uh, you know has the interest that ours does that mm-hmm. that they'll compete in. But um, but for the U.S., yeah, everything everything. You'll see at Worlds, you see. I mean, you see more at Nationals, but like there was no, there's no 16 way at Worlds FS. There's no 10 way FS. Um, there's not 16 way? No. Okay. So World is four way open, uh, four way women's, four way vertical. Mm-hmm. Core crushed it. Cruise. Oh, man. No surprise. I mean, fucking cruise. Yeah, no surprise. And eight way. So that's FS. And real quick, uh, an easy recap of those teams. U.S. Airspeed won uh, four-way open, or four-way, which everybody had a foreign name. I'm mainly kidding. Um, they're all U.S. citizens now. They're all U.S. people, but they've all, uh, like, uh, Nicholas Hemlin is Swedish uh, by by descent. But Nick's been on Airspeed for 10 years? I don't. He's I been on yeah. Airspeed for a while. It's a long time. Um, I, know he, uh, I knew Nicholas from his days in Fast Tracks uh, in 03 when he was competing, and he had Canopy? already been competing. No, no, Fast oh, four Tracks way? four-way. Okay. Yeah, Fast Tracks at some point was a silver class four-way team or silver medaling four-way team. And that was before Thomas Hughes years. Right. 
So the, before Thomas Hughes, it was Nicholas Himlin, Eric Jen, uh, who retired after that. Billy Andrews also retired after that. And John Judy, who didn't compete anymore, but still jumped. So um, the, uh, they took four-way. Um, and pretty commanding. Uh, kudos to Belgium, because Belgium, uh, Hayabusa, I'm sure you've recognized the Hayabusa name. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a rebuild year for them. They lost two team player, or two teammates, so they picked up new guys. So to contend and, and fight for second easily was really impressive and a good job. And I believe the French were in third, and Qatar knocked them out, is the order, or was it the other way around? I think it was French were in third, and Qatar on the ninth round put up eight points on onto uh, above uh, France and and got on the podium last minute. Uh, and yeah, that's correct. Is the Car- Qatari team? Do you know anything about them? I mean, they're I mean they're super competitive. So it's it's all Qatari military. So it's their that's, their golden knights, so to speak. Uh, uh, so you have to be in the military. But so crazy that it's government funded stuff. Oh, uh, it's it's one hundred percent government funded. Um. And then, uh, you know, their, their longtime coach for both four and eight ways been Gary Smith, who was, uh, I mean, he's coached pretty much all the, the world champions for like the last 10 years, but he was, you know, former, uh, Hibusa coach. And I mean, so he's, he's a very, very well, well respected South uh, African legend. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely legend. Um, and that's what I was pretty sure is a guitar team was military. And the easiest way to tell is they had but, zero logos on their jumpsuits outside of guitar. But so is Hibusa. And yeah. Hayabusa is also Belgian military. So. Ah, and the, so they have different restrictions. Correct. Um, but back to it, I won't assume because somebody has patches and logos that they're not military. But I will assume if they don't have any at that level that they are military. Yeah. And uh, I and that's something I couldn't figure out. And I never really bothered to ask because the Qataris also um, super nice when I interacted with them, but kept very much to themselves and they just generally kind of chilled. You, you know, being, they're always, they always come to U.S. Nationals as well, as, and even though they have to compete as a guest team, but they always come because it's a great competitive environment to, for them to train in. Yeah. But it's the same way there. You know, I mean, they're, they're very much to themselves, but they're super hyper-focused. I mean, they're just hyper-focused on competition. So. Yeah. If you greet one of them walking by, you'll get a very polite hello, a very polite gesture. Um, a middle finger is a nice gesture, right? <laughs> no, no, none of them. Absolutely none. All the Qatari guys I walked by and, and, and interacted with were very nice, but you really had to engage them. They would rarely engage you. Um, yeah, to put, to put the, to put four way in perspective with Hayabusa, I mean, Hayabusa's held the world title for the last 10 years. Yeah. So, like, for Arizona, for Airspeed to come in and, and, and grab that back. from them, that's, that's, that's huge for them. So. And, and I do not want to take away from Airspeed. It, it's also part of that rebuild because Andy and his brother, I can't remember his brother's name, were Hayabusa guys who just left the team, and, and I forget the two guys who He was out. actually coaching uh, uh, NFTO. Yeah, he was. The British the female. British, the British ladies. British. So there's a there's a uh, there's a thing with four way and it's and it's called the Otley sword, and the Otley sword is this um, it's a sword. I mean it's a literal sword on a plaque, and it is basically it's moved. Whoever holds the four way world title holds the Otley sword, and so like the Otley sword's been in Belgium for the last ten years, and so and you always have to bring it with you to worlds because you know you, you never know and so yeah this the otley sword was finally transferred back to the u.s you know so that was a it's a it's a big deal it's a it's big a deal huge in that, deal. that world do they so. refer to the holders of the sword as the otley crew 
Oh, oh my god! He shoots. He scores. Where's the they buzzer now? <laughs> oh, you don't have computer audio up. <laughs> you gotta it. turn computer audio up. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's too late. I didn't earn that. Now it's too late. late. Um, so that was four way. Four way women's. So U.S. took uh, gold in four way. Four way women's NFTO uh, took gold. It's the the British four way team. Do we know what that stands uh, for? Not for the ordinary, but yes, we do. Not for the ordinary. Um, I don't quite understand. But straight up, I don't know if NFTO has a requirement in their team roster. But I have seen every existing picture of NFT NFTO, and they're all pretty blondes. You must be five ten or above. Yeah, you must be blonde. <laughs> you yeah. must be fairly attractive. Yeah, and, and I don't know if the five ten and above is true, but uh, they were all tall, short. tall yeah. blonde. Yeah, they were all like five eight and above. Uh, all really wonderful ladies. Um, to me, there was. Is there a problem on that recording? Yeah. Don't worry about it. Is this still recording? Because I can yank audio. See the bottom of of uh, OBS, and you can see a little meter moving. Yeah. Okay, that's still recording. Yep. We'll pull audio from there. Mm-hmm. It'll work. Um. <clears throat> so, uh, NFTO took uh, gold. Uh, France women took silver, and U.S. women XPG four took bronze. And they were competitive was, for that it was silver. A, it was a tight race. It was man. a All good the way to the fight. End, it was a tight race. I mean, outside of first, NFTO was just walking away with it. And I don't think walking's a fair way because they were just strong as fuck about it. Um, were, were those there or did you bring them in? Yeah, th- this was sitting here. No, no. Yeah, those off the Pass wall. Me are those yours? Open. Oh, no, these are mine. Um, I need you to try on some sunglasses before you leave. Remind me of that. Can't do. Um, uh, the, I'm super excited to see what XBG4, the women's team, does because I really hope that girl, those girls stay together. Um, they are a newer team as age goes, and if this is their if this is their first world meet, I want to see what the U.S. women's team can do in the future. The U.S. women's team normally in nationals is a good open class team, but I wouldn't say top half most of the time. And the women's U.S. team this year at our nationals competed and, and literally contended and barely missed the podium. So uh, some will say that, yes, there were a team or two missing, and, and I won't necessarily deny that. Um, but at the same time, those ladies had the score up there. They were looking really good, and I'd like to see what would happen. But, um, uh, man, do you know the horror story behind NFTO? Uh, I I. No, not not as well as probably you do, but I'm, there was a lot of hubbub about it so um, down, surrounding worlds. I'll get down to the basic gist of it, and I'm not going to try to get the details because I'll fuck it up. But first and foremost, the women got what they deserved. And Josh, you and I talked about the word deserved and earned, mm. and they've earned it, but they also deserved to be there. I think this is an appropriate use of that word. NFTO, uh, uh, one of the guys with one of the gals got accused of some really inappropriate things. Um, I'll also stay right away that these allegations came out to be untrue. There was a lot of untruth to it. For example, the 17 year old lady making allegations was 19 years old. So that really changes what and how happens. And then a lot of other dishonesty came out. It was such a big deal to the British organization that NFTO uh, was not allowed um, because the gal dating the dude was implicated in it as well, was not allowed to compete at nationals and all or, or world meets. So NFTO had the fucking golden ticket yanked from their hand about a month prior to world meet. Um, these ladies have trained hard. They've worked hard. They earn every fucking bit of it. Uh, ladies and gent, they do have a, a male uh, camera flyer. And I think it was a week to a week and a half before Worlds when 
all of the truth in the world came out and everything was made clear and NFTO got their fight back. So as badass as these women were and as good as they were, um, I think they were better because they had a fire under their ass. They were determined. Like, yeah. And, and they admitted it. They said it. They, they owned it and they said they were going to run with the energy they built from it. And God damn, those girls ran. They, they fucking crushed it. So kudos to NFTO for taking gold and ladies four way. So gold, America four way, gold, women's four way, British land. Um, from there, core, dude, how do you think core did? Same that they always do. Back to back to back to <laughs> yeah. back. Four times, those motherfuckers. And I'll never stop being impressed with with the way they compose and hold themselves and the respect they show. Shout out to Dusty Hanks. Dude, Dusty. My tandem instructor. Really? Jump number one and two, baby. Wow. Same yeah, day. It, it just proof right there that fucking talent does not rub off. <laughs> <laughs> Truth, Because if it did... What a shame. Your talent would have rubbed off on Dusty and they would have been dead last. Man, they, they were so polite, so kind, so focused. It was really cool to see them in their environment. Um, second place was the Aussies focus and the focus boys, Tim Goldsby and his crew, absolutely crushers. Um, Where are they from? Um, Australia. Uh, I can't remember which drop zones are home DZ, um, off the top of my head. So, um, and then third in, in vertical Norway, Norway, uh, blue Pelican, I believe are the Norwegians. Yeah. Um, super good crew of people as well. Sandra, I think, is is the team captain for Blue Pelican, but I can't remember for certain. It's a badass name, Blue, Blue Pelican. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's fucking uh, dope. Like I, I was afraid to like look. I was like, means it like should I look on that in Urban Dictionary? Is there some some other meaning? Please, please, <laughs> like find Blue out. Waffle. Um, there's a there's a free fly team called the Disgruntled Disgruntled Seagull, Seagulls, and their team name is that. They weren't at Worlds because uh, there's a move something Seagulls in compulsories or something like that and they hate it so they call themselves the sun disgruntled seagulls based off of that stupid move that they're required to do um the core just they, they just make it look next level man they were badass so now we've got gold in in america bfs and then eight way round one four way and eight way had the same draw round one arizona airspeed put up 25 points am i correct on that number Sorry. Yeah, I'm a fucking nerd that I can remember these things. Like, dude, uh, Jason Cook showed up and him and I, man, he's such a good nerd, man. He knows all this shit. He'll quote any of these things quicker than any of us can. Eight way? Uh, Arizona Airspeed put up 25 points in four way. Yeah, you could, it's the same number, said and done. So XP8, which is Uh, 21 points. 21 points. Round one. Yeah. And then it was 21 points for eight way and round one as well. 25. 25. They are flying XP8. The eight way team out of Carolina is putting up four way numbers in eight way. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that, that was probably the, like the largest runaway was in eight way. Yeah. I think they won by 40 points, uh, gold. Mm -hmm. Second place team, I believe was Qatar, uh, and they were 30 points ahead of third place. And third place was for Germany. Yep, Germany Airbus eight way. I'll tell you one. Of, I think one of the biggest uh, kind of eye openers to me going to Worlds is just how much talent there is here in the U.S. Um, you know, and, and everybody there is is great, and 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 obviously earned their spot to get there. But um, you know, it, it's I, I'm I'm very comfortable saying that the fight to get to Worlds in the U.S. 
is a way is definitely a harder fight than in a lot of countries you know out there. So we just I, have so much so much concentrated talent here. I believe seventh place in four away was the first non professional team rank. So in world level, your top six or seven teams are um, are, are are professional four way competitors. Can you tell me who took seventh in four way? The Swedes. The Swedes. Uh, Echo Chamber. And yeah, yep. Sweden is Echo Chamber, and they are the the first. They they were them. So six and above are all all pro teams. It's absolutely crazy. Um, and that was eight way free fly, freestyle. We already talked about the the freestyle America France France. Yep. Um, what was interesting is Ascend actually were a little bit concerned about Yo and Jim because Yo and Jim were not only competing in freestyle but they also competed in free fly. With surreal, not the father of Lucas, a different surreal. Um, as free flies, two flyers, one video. Right? Yeah, correct. Three way free fly. Um, old school Spaceland uh, anomaly. anomaly. Yeah. What's up with all these A fucking names? God damn! It's like it's like A plus bail bonds. You want to be the first in the you want to be the first in the phone book. Yeah, exactly you know? right. Yeah, A A A triple A. Um. Uh. So yeah, they um. Uh. They ended up competing, and then there is a newer French team. I say newer French team. There are uh, some very experienced competitors. They've been around as a team, I think, just over a year is when I first heard of them. Um, and talking to Pierre, Noah, Noah, and, Noah, and uh, Mateo, they really wanted to hang low. They were super low-key. They were super quiet about their approach. Um, L&B sponsors them, which is how I got to hold of them the first time. And to hear uh, them talk to me as a sponsorship director and then eventually talk to me at a world meet, it was two very different people. And it, it was not. The humility was there across the board. But when I saw them at world meet, I'm like, what the actual fuck is this? I did not realize you guys were as massive shredders as, as you were absolutely destroyers and the battle between france one and france two and free fly was to the last round constantly 1.1 ahead they're, they're also score like freestyle 9.0 9.1 point 8.8 0.1 ahead even 0.2 behind point it just bounced all the way through and i think at the end france two put up just a ungodly and that's a mad j mad magi it's m-a-d-j-a-y is how they spell it yeah, we're um, looking at them. We're watching one of their rounds right now. Yeah, dude. Is, are you watching their compulsory or their free? Free routine. Dude, their free routine, man. That fly side, that side flying component is absolutely... Have you seen how much side flying is going on in the world like, right that's now? That's the thing right now. <laughs> yeah, I think that... Uh, you know, I, I haven't followed these high-level flyers, this this competition at all. But you can see with the way that things have gone in the tunnel the last few years that that's a, a, a becoming almost a standard skill for the... For that level of competitor, which it, is <laughs> super disheartening for people like me who will never be able to do that. And I really want to to park on that statement for a second, but before I do that, man, um, did you see that picture yet? No, but <laughs> no. that is fantastic. Maddie Madison Varner is is going to a school dance slash costume uh, thing, and so Maddie is dressed up as a skydiver that's great uh her mother and i'm gonna guess her mother and uh, i'm gonna guess kelly farrington as well helped put together her outfit and she has a rig built um a parachute rigged up over her head oh that's hilarious um i mean she's straight up dressed up like a skydiver of course her jumpsuit and her uh her helmet 
um, a little cypress pouch, you know, a little cypress fanny yeah, pouches. Yeah, I saw that fanny pack. Yeah, man. It's good looking. Yeah, that girl is that's super cool. Um, man, what, what the French did were unbelievable, but you said the side flying component really breaks your heart, people like yours, right? So do you know how many three-way free flight teams competed at this year's USPA National? No idea. Perfect answer. None. None. No idea. There was not a single team competing. So, of course, every Nationals, they have a post-discipline meeting. Hey, if you're competitors from this event, let's have a meeting. Let's let's recap what happened. What can we do better? What do we need to work on? Here's the future of what's coming. What can we do to revitalize three-way was a big part of the conversation. Um, I, I was uh, blessed to talk to a few different competitors who were there in freestyle and free fly. Part of it is the scheduling, MFS, VFS, uh, freestyle, everything clashing to where people have to choose. But part of it is is the ticket to entry for free flying is just ungodly. The compulsory moves, there is not, it's not something that a newer free fly team is even at the lowest level going to be able to do. Lowest level of free fly teams, not teams, but... uh competition it's just difficult so that that skill gap is ungodly yeah i used to tell like when mfs was really really first starting and nobody you know the first couple years at nationals they were using as a test event to see how many people they could get in it and i and i told i was telling all my free flyer friends you know because i was doing four-way fs eight-way i was telling my free flyer friends like dude you guys can if you can just get out of the plane and touch each other a couple times you're gonna podium you know, like, you know, if, if, if that's ever, you know, you wanted to do that, like now's the time to start, you know, to start doing that. And it seems like free flies kind of gotten back down into that. Like, look, if you can just work on these compulsory moves, um, you know, and string those together and then make up a, you, you know, I mean, a, a routine that you'd see a tunnel, uh, a tunnel instructor do at the end of a set, you know, you could, you could definitely go and be competitive. The problem is, is the, the skill gap to get there. Oh, yeah. yeah like MFS, when it came out, you could absolutely be a, 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 a chump and have a chance because, like you said, we turned three points. Yeah, just and we got touch each other. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, that voice was heard. Um, and hopefully they are working and pushing towards a different standard. Uh, maybe a, a newer class of free fly team. I don't know how they're going to overcome this, whether it's a change of rules and compulsories. I can never say compulsory. like That word is marbles in my fucking mouth. So you may get four syllables. Mine is like compulsory. It's just three. Compulsory. Well, I guess it's still four syllables. It's just, I, put yeah, the, no. I put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Yeah, but your sounds way <laughs> much better than more mine did. So <laughs> words. Um, so hopefully they, they break that barrier because, dude, that's, that's my favorite. It's my absolute favorite. That that was your favorite to watch? Uh, yeah, always has been. I was going to ask if there was a discipline that drew the most attention to when uh, you know uh, videos are being played and things are being scored. Oh, four way, of course. Uh, four four, four way, way but, well, so four way draw drew the biggest crowd because there's the most competitors. Yeah. yeah. Um, the event that I think drew the most outside attention was two, two different two different ones. It would have been speed, but you don't get to see their runs. Everybody and their mother was talking about Marco and his yeah. fucking five twenty plus runs. Dude, I just the okay, dude, they're all they're using fly sight data to do that. Yeah, yep. using fly sight data top of the helmet, so it's in. So it really is a GPS, but they're keeping it in that clean air no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's just crazy. So nobody watched his videos, but no, just, but no one's shooting outside video because uh, they can't keep up. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> The only person who can keep up is competing with you right now, yeah. which would be a really cool way to have a speed contest. Oh, just straight like heads up, like competition, like hey, first one to well, five thousand wins. You, you did know, this like, wrong. First, head two speed, down, two speeders. Oh yes, two speeders going at it. I just, 
That sounds like the beginning of a very bad joke. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Two man. speeders exit a plane. Yeah, or it could be a Star Wars reference. Speeders, just that's the thing in Star Wars. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, man. Fuck you. Um, I was busy busy kissing girls when you were watching <laughs> Star Wars. I was like eight when I was watching Star Wars. Well, so I you weren't even alive. Started pretty young. What's up, mom? <laughs> you were kissing your mom's belly button from the inside. <laughs> <laughs> Just nibbling on that. She have an Innie or an Audi? Uh, you know, I don't remember. <laughs> that view from in there was tight. Yeah. Um, but so a lot of people were crowding around to watch, um, Ascend in general. Mm -hmm. People just wanted to see what they were doing. People would uh, commonly con congregate to watch the Collins, Lucas and Surreal. And people were watching that French battle. Like the, it was a joke. I might have been the only one telling it, but apparently the French fight nobody but each other, man. I saw her in the, but when it comes to each <laughs> other, they, those boys were going to that, war. And both teams look like F1 drivers. Like they're just like the most suave dudes like in there, just, you know, just swinging it around. Like everybody, I mean, they do. They just look like straight, like, like, uh, like they just walked out of F1 and into some random parachuting competition. Good, good group of dudes, man. So, uh, who, who ended up being in third in free fly? Uh, Switzerland. Swiss. Switzerland. Um, I'm trying to remember the Swiss team. It's not, um, did we say it was Blue Pelican? No, no, no. That, no, no was that, was Norway. Norway. that was Norway. Uh, um, that was Blue, Blue Pelican. Blue also could be a Oh, Swiss mood. chocolate. Yep. Chocolate it's factory chocolate. team. Did, chocolate. You, did, did uh, Urban Dictionary reveal anything about Blue Pelican? Nothing. Nothing. No. Man, don't you, fuck my computer over, <laughs> man. You should That's make, my game. I mean, my work PC. <laughs> <laughs> you should uh, create the first entry about Blue Pelican. <laughs> it's got to be a sex move, don't you think? Well, if it's an urban dictionary, <laughs> why else would it? Oh, man, what yeah, else would it be? She flipped me around a game of the blue pelican. I was never the same. <laughs> uh, then we'll send a, a link to the team and say, "Hey, check it out, man! We found one of blue pelican." <laughs> yeah. I'm curious, man. I gotta ask those boys what blue pelican is now. I'm, it's got me super curious. I mean, it just sounds like a majestic bird. I'm, I'm sure that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> May I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if everyone's as vulgar as we yeah. are. Yeah, I got to know the the Swiss team, uh, Chocolate, but I never did ask them why is their name Chocolate. The Swiss Chocolate. But oh, that would make so much sense. No, oh yeah, yeah, the Swiss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but man, I will tell you, they had the fucking dopest jackets. Like, and it wasn't uh, comp. It wasn't a. Uh, the Swiss team. It was their team jackets. Like the, the Swiss team chocolate had their own jackets branded. It looked like their jumpsuits as far as some of the logoing uh, on it and whatnot. Did it they have brown cool. jumpsuits? I think. No, they're yellow and black. Yeah, yellow and black. What? Yeah. But, uh, dude, they offered me one of those team jackets and I turned it down. I really wanted to say yes, but I'm like, yo, I live in Houston and that jacket looks really comfortable in Switzerland. I'm still upset about yellow and black. Now, <laughs> I'm going to start a team called the Bumblebees and have brown jumpsuits. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Yo, if you eat the chocolate I eat, it's black. So, I mean, you eat dark chocolate. You know, I love that dark chocolate. You eat proper dark chocolate, yeah. too. So, yeah. yeah. Um, that was Free Fly, dude. Wingsuit, it, it was really weird because... Oh, wingsuit. I hadn't even thought about wingsuit. Can Luke piling, Rogers. Can you piling wingsuit first the first weekend? Dude, I had a wonderful time with Luke Rogers, who may have a sport visa approved for the U.S., I didn't say that on anything out loud, did I? Um, I don't know what you mean. Now, I, um, I, uh, he's been working very hard to come back to the U.S. He's been working very hard to want to be back here. And he's been going through all the proper channels and logistics. And I think he's close. 
I think the chances of us seeing Luke Rogers visit Skydive Spaceland Houston in the near future is very real. Is he trying to come through on an O visa? Is that it? Uh, what's an O visa? Uh, uh, oh, <laughs> daddy. Is oh, that a green need, card? We need him. Oh. Put it in me. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Man, that turned really fast. I was, I was surprised. Uh, and you got the gamer in me coming out. Well, that happened at the beginning of the show, also quite organically. Orgasmically. Orgasmically. <laughs> before, Thank you, Josh. That was before uh, we were recording, I'm pretty certain. Uh, absolutely. Especially uh, now that the recording machine broke. An O visa is like an athlete or special talent yes. visa. Yes. Um, that, uh, yeah, I know he's doing it as a athlete special talent visa because he is working with lawyers that have worked with Red Bull athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have that contact information um, now, that lawyer now. So if we have any friends who are interested in a lawyer who specializes in extreme sport athletes, I think that's a huge benefit to have somebody like that. Yeah, and cool. I know the cost of some of these lawyers, and I will say this guy is competitive for sure. So uh, just future pocket knowledge for you. Um, we have a lot of friends who would love to work here legally over the years. And, and God, man, I would love to move them all here. I would just like to actually kick out every lazy fucking mooch on society and take their citizenship and give it to this hard, wet working Mexican dude over here and this hard working Venezuela gal over here and this hard working Ukrainian fellow over here and give them those people citizenships and put those people back in those other people's countries. Sure. Or um, anywhere that's not here. Yeah, I'm super down with it, man. Like, mooches, you lose your citizenship, and congratulations, Luke Rogers. The Bogan from Logan will be here. Um, I don't know what Luke's exact plans are for where he's going to base out of and where he's going to be, but I do know he plans to be around Houston as much as he can while he is in the U.S., and uh, we're talking about being able to work together and do some things with Gravity Lab Project, whether he works with us directly or whether he co-brands and, and does some events with us. Um, dude, that's, I think we feel the same about that guy. So it'd be super good to see his his lousy ass here. He's a good cunt. He's a good cunt. He took longest, uh, I think it was time in, in Wingsuit, which is time aloft, like how long you fly, or it was distance, I don't know. But either one would mean he went a lot, a lot further. And when they showed the medals for every class, like, oh, here's the best, here's number one swooper. They showed a video of some dude swoop from like five, 12 angles. Yeah. Distance. He was like 300 meters, like longer than anybody else. Yeah. So, which is, yeah, which is substantial. I mean, we're talking his, his run was 4,700 meters because compared to 4,400. So when they showed wingsuiters, once again, they don't show video of the wingsuiters so they show all their graphs and when all these fly site data graphs are going up on this giant screen next to the stage everybody's like huh, let's have another drink and then they show the image the, the the map overlay of their distance run is the last image as they're announcing that podium winner and everybody's like we're, that's when we all look like oh wow look how far he went wow look how far he went wow why are they using a different map for luke and literally it was like everybody's was the city of Eloy and his was the state of Arizona. Super exaggerating, man. Asian penises. We do that. But Luke just laid down monster in distance and took third overall, I believe. And then Alexi, and I can't pronounce his last name is a U.S. feller, um, took silver and gold was, uh, God damn it. I know his name. I can't think of it. Guyler. Uh, Chris, another U.S. U.S. fella. Um, but wingsuit and crew were at Sawtooth DZ. Jo- either one of you, do you know anything about Sawtooth DZ? No, nope, I do not. It's like 30 minutes away from Eloy. Um, the logistics of having all these hop and pops and crew guys and wingsuiters all being in the same place as an operating DZ 
was just a, a bit congesting. So they put the crew guys and the wingsuiters at Sawtooth, which was uh, back to a, a bit of ways. But is Sawtooth like an extension of Skydive Arizona? It is. Okay. It is. A lot of military operations no, happen. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really... Uh, it's also where you uh, crash Red Bull planes, just saying. So, oh, perfect. Yeah. I've been meaning to do that. <laughs> but you know I'm talking about the stunt that uh, Luke and yeah, Andy did. Plane swap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, plane swap. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, dude, I'm still so disheartened about that, man. Andy never had a fucking shot. I will never. Like, if Andy would have missed and screwed up, at least he tried. At least yeah, but that airplane was not. It didn't. It, he That airplane was running the fuck away. Yeah. Um, and it just sucked that he never, ever really got that good chance to, 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 to go for it. So. Um, what? Whatever happened with the? Didn't they have some paperwork controversy in that whole stunt? They did, and yeah. I lost track of it okay, because I, it was I'm, a lot more drama than as I long cared as I'm about. not the only one that lost track of it. That's no. why I was asking. No. Uh, I mean, so, so right now they've had a temporary revocation of their pilot licenses that they're fighting. I actually, I actually got to talk with Andy uh, about a month ago. Oh, yeah. I did a, I flew a, a demo for Red Bull, mm-hmm. uh, and Andy and Miles were there, uh, and so I, I just. We had a few minutes to talk, and I just, you know, kind of briefly asked, like, twelve minutes yeah, to talk. Uh, I briefly asked how it was going, and and then he's like, "Well, you know, it's it's looking positive. We're, you know, we're obviously fighting, you know, the the revocation, and and uh, uh, you know, he was he was very positive about how things were going, but uh, and just very positive about the whole experience in general, you know. And he's he's definitely not he, outwardly not not cynical about it. He's you know he's just understands and is just you know com, you know doing the process to. Uh, to to get his rights back, so yeah, I think they should uh, try that stuff one more time. I do think that there wasn't a. I don't. I don't understand. You know the mechanics of what was going on and what caused that airplane to veer off in a, in that way. But uh, man, I think they both got it in them to to pull off that move. Yeah, but uh, when uh, when DJ was yelling <laughs> twelve minutes, that was I. I have never been around uh, Miles or Andy before mm-hmm. uh, for an extended period of time, and, and Miles is. Uh, anybody who hasn't that's seen Miles, you know, on social media and whatnot, like Miles is like that apparently all the time. Like he is just running a thousand miles a minute, and I'm calm. And uh, we are in the plane. So this was uh, this was they're jumping into UT into the UT uh, West Virginia game into in the DRK or DKR Stadium in uh, Austin. And, and you know, of course, there's a TFR. We got to get up there early, start orbiting, and so we're up there, you know, kind of early and orbiting, checking with ground crew, and we're waiting. And step time was like at six twelve, right? Because this is a nationally televised game. Step time, dumb that down for me. Yeah, so that's literally the time the they're leaving the airplane. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, they're good. on the step at at six twelve. Okay, gotcha. so they are. Uh, because it's nationally televised game, so everything's very tight. It, you know, step times at seven six twelve because they have to be on the ground by six sixteen. They got to be off the field by six seventeen because that's when the anthems. You know, all this has to be you know real tight. So we're up there orbiting at like five forty five, five fifty, just you know, just around the stadium at, at thirty five hundred feet, and it's six o'clock on the dot. And Miles is sitting. We're in a one eighty two. Miles is sitting right next to me. You know, with his back facing the front of the aircraft, and and at six o'clock, I kind of look at my watch and I'm like, okay, and I'm noting the time and miles yells 12 minutes and i'm just like oh my god yeah like i get it yeah it's tw- like tw- 12 minutes is it sure and i was like okay he's just because it's six o'clock right and uh and then a minute later i'm you know we're still flying i'm, I'm just doing my thing minute later 11 minutes and i'm like oh yeah there's yeah so oh, yeah 11 minutes and this continues <laughs> every minute and finally at seven minutes Andy's sitting in the back, just lounging in the back of the plane. At seven minutes, I kind of looked back at Andy, and I was like, "Is is 
this normal? Like, and he just looks at me and nods. He's like, yeah. Yeah, like exasperated. He did that all the way down. All the way down to one minute and finally getting out of the airplane. But that was, I mean, the amount of energy that guy had. Did he yell, just, no! Like, no! Like full Braveheart? Uh, probably, but he's outside the plane. And I couldn't <laughs> hear him at that point. But uh, it was, it, it was, he's, uh, he's, He's all he's all gas, no brakes, man. I mean, all the time is awesome. I think you uh, were hanging out with Miles at, at the uh, Dallas PIA. Uh, yeah. yeah, dude, you ready? I'm, I'm pretty ready. Yeah, I'm excited for. it. I think it's gonna be fun, man. You know, as as we've been sitting here talking, I've been just imagining the uh, types of videos that we might make and the types of conversations that we might have. Man, so uh, for PIA symposium this year, Nick Lott will be joining the LB Altimeters team in our booth. Um, but we're going to kind of restrict access to them. We're going to put a little cage in the middle. We're going to put them in it. We're going to like hoist it up on a rope and you get to throw tomatoes at them. Oh my God. I'd be so happy <laughs> if that was true. You know, the PIA that I went to in Dallas, the very best part about it was Skydive Chicago's booth. <laughs> you know, you remember what I, I mean? Do. Yeah. Go ahead. So at their booth, uh, Josh, did you go to the, to this? PIA? I did not make that. Okay. One. Well, they had a pull up bar at their booth. And if you, did a dead hang from this pull-up bar for a hundred seconds. Yes. You won a Skydive Chicago jersey. Was it was it moving? I don't remember if it was moving or not, but I do remember hanging there for that hundred seconds and winning oh. the jersey. Oh man! So that was great. But uh, that for sure, that's the my biggest memory about that PIA is that uh, pull-up bar. You were so excited about it. I mean, I'm built for that. One hundred percent. But two, it, like You're I, for I it. watched at least thirty people go before I decided that I was going to give it a shot. And man, it was super entertaining. They had a crowd the whole time. Even so, if the bar doesn't move, that's so much harder than people realize. Like I'm like, I wonder how long I could hang from a bar, and I don't think it's going to be a hundred seconds. Well, ten is apparently really hard too. Um, I I can hang for longer than ten, but it it, it was it's not easy. Yeah, it's sixty seconds, a full minute's a pretty re- respectable dead hang for uh, a, a normal sized person. It really is, and and uh, Nick is so small, it's easy for him to hang that. No, long. that's no shit. Like women generally have a longer dead hang time than men. Because uh, really? they they generally weigh less. It's just it just comes down to having to suspend that much less weight. Yeah, I mean you're you're the weight That's of your fair. body is pulling you off the bar. So, but uh, I got that GI Joe Kung Fu grip. There you go. I spent two weeks alone uh, in Arizona. I was gonna say from from months <laughs> of pra- years I've been of practice trading one hand for this competition my entire life. <laughs> Little guy, been using <laughs> one and a half. <laughs> Um, so Nick, Nick actually joining us at PIA. Uh, we're gonna do live video production. I say live is not necessarily the best word. Video production. So in the past, our interviews have been just absolutely aired live, and that comes with some hiccups and issues. So we're gonna shoot all the videos or the interviews there on the spot, and immediately Nick's gonna take them into the cutting table. Immediately, immediately edit them, (laughs) throw them back out, and and so we can have them. So we can have them out there as quick as possible. Um. One of our goals is to ask uh, people what their favorite booth is besides L&B's because we know you love it. Um, and then we're going to have Nick run around and do highlights of different booths. We're going to showcase everybody's. Um, and Are we going to highlight Bill booth? <coughs> Bill's booth? Uh, Bill, Bill booth. I'm positive <laughs> Bill we can highlight Bill booth. Uh, so the biggest thing is how many people don't go to PIA? How many people don't make it? Most of them. Right. So LMB is going to uh, take Nick out there, pay him for the week, 
and uh, shoot a lot of video for us. Dropzone's going to go to shit without you there. That's so. <laughs> February. Come on, man. You yeah. guys can do a week without me. And I'm sure you'll take the extra paycheck and probably spend it on your staff back here in Spaceland. That sounds like a reasonable move. <laughs> the, good luck, staff. He's going to buy you guys donuts for breakfast. Have you ever done that before? <laughs> Only every Saturday. <laughs> so we'll yeah. pay for your donuts for a week. I mean, I uh, have a really hard time driving with those donuts right now. I put three dozen warm donuts in my car and drive oh 30 minutes God. to the drop zone with them tempting me. I've been thinking about donuts a lot. You guys want to talk about food right now? Uh, dude. I'm always down talking about food. Oh, we've only got 30 minutes left. Well, well so we're supposed to do not long enough. We're supposed to do the, uh, all you can eat stuff your face thing before <sighs> Mel leaves. Okay. You got like Mel a week. Leave? Yeah, like the 4th of November or something like oh, that. Oh, I'm fucked. I have zero time for this. Ain't nobody this got is, time for that. This is horrible. <laughs> um, so I like th- this is on the table. We're going to talk about it. So it has to be next week. It has to be. Oh, fuck. So while you figure that out, I just uh, Randy Connell's. Uh, he's he's listening right now. He's watching. So big shout out to Randy. Um, oh hey, God, Randy. The guy I'm least envious of in the world. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, Randy Connell was the meat director for Worlds. Um, so if you can imagine, just basically being the guy that runs, you know, the entire event from you know from from tip to tail, like. Uh, that's, that's Randy. So, I mean, and it's, it's not just about the logistical piece. It's not just about, um, you know, making sure, you know, the planes get off on time and everything. It's, I mean, the schedule is constantly changing. It's not like nationals where, um, you know, one event runs consecutively with another, you know, nationals, I mean, right, almost, you know, probably not right now, but here in another month, I can probably look on the schedule and see when four-way starts and finishes, when eight-way starts and finishes, when 16-way starts and finishes, so on and so forth. At Worlds, it's not like that. At Worlds, it's it's very fluid. So they, they run everything concurrently. So four-way runs for a few rounds along with eight-way, but then they'll do speed and artistic for a few rounds. And so, you know, it's all running so that it all kind of starts at the same time and then all kind of finishes at the same time. So he kind of fucked it up already because four-way and eight-way really don't run Sorry, at the same whatever. time. Sorry, I was just using these examples. No, but so. no, it's a easy right, example right. because four-way competitors are also on eight-way competitors' mm-hmm. teams. So now Randy has to figure that out and go, okay, we can't put four-way and eight-way at the same time. But we can put free-fly and freestyle up at the same time. Oh, no, Yo and Jim are competing yep. in both events. Mm-hmm. So this poor guy had to figure out who was best slotted to win, who finished when, who did. Like it, He had a clusterfuck of things running around him. Thankfully, there was a really killer staff, like super huge shout-out to Skydive Arizona. I dealt with their staff a lot at this event. And friendly, smile, warm, welcoming, accommodating, every word that you want to hear as a drop zone manager of, of your office staff and, and your, and your and, uh, administrative staff, everybody was super, super kind of super helpful. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, just an actual, absolutely just going nightmare. And then he had, yeah, he had all the chief judges, everybody on the support team to help Randy was phenomenal. And then, you know, it never is bad weather in Eloy, right? So let's have a world meet there. You know, the rest of that. Oh yeah. There was a pretty serious weather hold there, right? So the Saturday, so CP was supposed to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, no, no, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday. And that's CP. I can't be piloting. Canopy formation crew and wingsuiting those four days. Worlds tends to spread it out over three to four days to make best use of the time. And part of it is best use of the time. Part of it is so many competitions to juggle amongst it that it just doesn't work well any other way. They condensed 
both of those first three disciplines, all three of those first disciplines into two days because they saw bad weather coming. And that Saturday, it was a shitstorm. The Randy said it was three quarters of an inch in 20 minutes. It, dude, sounded like my wife, but not 20 minutes. Um, so everybody, all the vendors, Cypress and us were connected. A guy named Joel Strickland, he's the EU Cypress rep, uh, and he also does some stuff for LMB. We had our our tents connected. Um, Vertical Suits and Icarus and a couple other people all abandoned tents and all ran inside. And we were standing in our tent with the British uh, campy piloting guys. Real nice crew of dudes. And oh, yeah. British people aren't going to give a shit. Yeah, right? dude. Right? They, they were <laughs> lovely. This course. is at home. Um, so as the wind started to pick up, we literally found ourselves each holding a leg of the tent down, lifting up off the ground. At some point, I had my fingers like in a strap to hold it down. And we all rethought, like, let's not hold it this way because this tent's still lifting a, a foot off the ground with us holding on to well, it. Did, did, did this go? Was this fun? To any degree, or was it? Did you cross the threshold from this is exciting and kind of funny to? It alarming? actually wasn't bad at all. It okay. was, it was, uh, it was a mess a bit, uh-huh. but it really wasn't too but, bad. But no one was genuinely fearing for their safety in this. Situation. No, okay. no, we were, um, we, we, we were giggling, we were blown away, we were constantly moving shit because it started flooding. the The desert doesn't drain; it sheds water, so water will sit and pool. And and where the LB tent was was the low spot. And for the, like the next day, we couldn't occupy our spot. We put all our stuff in the Cypress tent and just kind of left it to dry. Um, it, but it, it was a clusterfuck. Good time. Uh, a bird fell out of the tree right in front of the tent. One of the Brits picked up the bird. I, I got fell a out of the tree dead. No, no, he's okay. Okay. We called him Stormy. We did name him, and we got pictures of the Brits uh, holding and cuddling this bird and petting him and nursing him back to health and. Everybody came by in the next couple of days asking about the bird. And like, oh, Stormy was fine. He hopped back in the tree, eventually dried off, eventually flew off and come and shat on my tent at some point. I'm positive it was him. Mm. Positive, that little fucker, man. After we, you ungrateful piece of shit. Um, uh, but everything in our tent stayed dry. And for LMB, we had 1,200 batteries. We had a shitload of devices. We had a shitload of wristbands. We had a lot of, of expensive electronics. Cypress wasn't far behind us with electronics and expensive stuff. Um, the poor guys at Vertical Suits, um, Joey Jones, he was in Houston recently. Um, they came back the next morning to find everything in their tent soaked because the tents were completely knocked over and everything inside of it knocked down and soaked. So that was the first storm. Then it was what day? I lost track of days. Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, the second Sunday. Sunday, the second Sunday. So, see, the FS was I think Friday, <laughs> Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Closed down Monday. Oh uh, no, Tuesday. It closed Tuesday, Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we ended up having bad weather. Was it? You said Sunday. Yeah. It was late Saturday. So so late afternoon Saturday, I think we had to shut down early because of winds. Because of yeah, winds, and then Sunday it was Clouds. just cl- I mean it was just socked in the whole day. Man, that's such a weird look for that place. I, it was everybody there is just like what the and it was only Eloy like up in you know basically anything we north of Casa Grande was just it was just clear blue all day long, but just right there. At Elon, it's, and I think from what somebody explained, it's because it sits kind of in a valley a little bit. So just the way that the wind pattern works through there, it just, just sat there all day. Man, I, I, this might be a slight exaggeration of truth. And I don't think Eloy, uh, Skydive Arizona should have pushed any limits. I think they did the great thing, but I believe it was possible that we could have jumped, flow jump run crosswind 
of course, coming back into the wind would have been the challenge. But if there was no wind or a tailwind, they could have all opened and made it back to the DZ from that clearing. It was so close to us. Um, and we sat there and watched it, watched it. And eventually it came and immediately rolled right back on top of itself. It just backed that ass straight up. So, uh, it carried over into Monday morning and Monday morning. Uh, you know, we started super early. When we say super early, like this is like six forty-five. Yeah, the call was up. at yeah, the call was at six thirty. Um, you know, fifteen-minute call. So super early, and for like the first couple hours, the uppers at, at twelve grand were sixty-five to seventy knots. Uh, I mean, it was. They're still sending it. And- still sending it. Like the speeders were one of the first ones to go up Monday, and they literally had to give for a solo in between. They had to give twelve seconds of separation in between everybody. Because it was just, I mean, jump run was like at 50 miles an hour, you know, like 50 knot jump run. It was just so slow. You know, a typical February here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, those uppers, that's a tricky thing. I feel like uh, the last handful of years, as that information's become more talked about and more available, that more people are concerned about the uppers. I think up until these last few years, the pilot looked at the uppers, calculated some really far spot, and we all just jumped without thinking too much about it. Because that's just, you know, that's just how it worked then. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we have wind limits for the ground. And so should we have wind limits for what the upper winds are? Yeah, I completely believe so. so. And, man, trying to figure out exactly what those numbers are is really difficult. Because, you know, just like what you guys are describing, you can have, you <clears> know, <throat> safe and successful jumps that uh, involve 70 knot upper winds. But the question... uh Becomes aside from hey, have we calculated the spot right? Because there's a lot of uh, a lot of movement that's going to go on here. The second thing is hey, what happens if someone has a premature opening for yep. whatever reason and is now in seventy knot winds flying a parachute? Where is that person going to end up? Or a chop for that matter, yep. you know? And you're never getting your stuff back. <laughs> I I think you hit the nail on the head with the preemie, um, or and it doesn't have to be a preemie. I think there should be a much stronger consideration for student, and student includes tandems. Mm-hmm. Um, and recently, I've seen you throw posts on Spaceland's uh, staff groups standing down the team because of upper winds. Um, I'm looking at the ground winds. I'm looking at the winds down to, to a couple grand and going like, man, or up to a couple grand, going like, those are super acceptable. And the winds above that, some people would say, pussy. Um, and some people would mock, and I will tell you, I've jumped them much stronger. I also think we shouldn't be. I think we should learn our lessons from those situations. A tandem student can very easily and quickly pull you out high, and you don't want to be stuck in those uppers going crazy. You don't want a student that you have to pitch out early or a student who pitches out early on their own uh, or have a preemie in those kind of wins. And it was cool because Arizona – um the drop zone itself operationally was a lot more cautious with their tandems and their students. Um, one kid was hanging out with us in the tents and complaining not about people, about the winds, that he's not current and he wanted to jump and get current, but he can't because of the winds. He was super understanding. He was just bitching about winds. 
Um, so it, it was neat to see them take a stand, and and it's I think it's cool because Spaceland I've seen take a stand with you guys. Um, I've seen Uglay take a stand, and I really think it's leaders like Dan BC and Paris would also do the same thing nowadays, where all three of these DZs in years past would have done otherwise. And I think it's leaders like you guys, um, except for Nick, leaders like <laughs> you guys. I can't give him Jesus, praise. Please. He would be you, so you mad You know at I'm me. happier without it anyway. Yeah, that's exactly. So I got to talk shit to him. Um, I think it's that leadership that's going to trickle down to these other DZs, and it's these conversations that will make people consider Man, what happens if I open up with 80 mile an hour uppers? I'm going to land off. And do you really want to land off? Like, where is that wind on your drop zone going to push you? Yeah, it's, and that's hard to know of like, have you landed off before? Uh, a couple times. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And you know what happened? I was okay. I was fine. <laughs> but. So, so that's, uh, when we say, let's mm. just say that we have 70 mile uppers out of the east. It's got a space land Houston. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's pushing us to a spot that we wouldn't want to land off, and you're yeah. going to be really far to find a, a safe spot. Did you see the map in my head? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw you imagine <laughs> yeah, the yeah, direction like... and where the swamp was. <laughs> but, uh, man, uh, you know, if that same uh, amount of wind is coming out of the north, man, we, we're going to have a lot of good outs in the very unlikely event that a student, uh, you know, pulls that yeah. uh, drogue release at 12,000 feet. <laughs> you know, that, that happens uh, just a few times a year, and we only jump in really extreme upper winds a few times a year. So those two things, you know, that situation just statistically, it's a hard one to have happen because both of those things are, are so seldom. Yeah, and but, I, I definitely don't think we need to absolutely restrict jumping in winds like that. We just need to measure. Well, I think this is. I think that the the conversation that that we're having is great because it's uh, we're it's about that critical thinking, right? It's about not just having these, you know, these carte blanche, Hey, we jump in this or we don't jump in this. You know, it's, and it's so funny that that, that's what I want. What? I want carte that. blanche yeah, or not like, carte blanche or just uh, very defined. I want a letter. I want a number on a piece of paper of like, Hey, well, this, this is the number we go to and it's beyond that number. So we don't go because that's just a lot less. Uh, it is, a, it is a lot less effort. It's, it's a less, lot less thinking. It's less effort and it's repeatable. It is, but I also think it removes, you know, like that it removes the, the need for the conversation and the critical thinking. Correct. And, and I think that that sets a present for other conversations. Like, you know, like you should be critically thinking on, you know, everything, whether it's, you know, uppers, whether it's, you know, exit order, whether it's, you know, type of skydive you're doing, you know, that there's, that is a very dynamic environment. And, and it's people need to understand the why behind the, the rule or behind the reason that we do things. And, and just like you said, like, you know, like, why would it matter if the uppers are, you know, 60 knots. Okay. Just move the spot, you know, but no, there's other things to, to consider. And people need to, I think people need to take a, a more active and proactive approach to understanding, you know, why that, you know, why that is and having that discussion. I used to, um, when I first started skydiving pretty early, uh, Ken Stone was still around in, in Houston and appeared. Uh, good cunt. And, uh, he taught an, he taught a class called, he called airmanship. And it was, it was math and it was basically like how to calculate the spot to the meter, you know, and, and I mean, everything from free fall drift to canopy drift to, you know, forward throw, uh, out of the aircraft. And for, for a guy like me, it was super fascinating. You know, it's like, look, if you, if here's the winds and here's all this other stuff and here, you know, this is where you want to land. Okay. Well, you need to get out, you know, 684 meters 
you know, one six zero radial. Like that's where you need to get out. That's of awesome, dude. It was super cool, and and um, you just you know just being able to kind of to take all that, put it into a formula was was super awesome. But yeah, you or you can be Asian and just see numbers. <laughs> it's like the uh, it's like the Hangover meme where. Yeah, where he's Rain, rain Man. Yes. Yeah, I had a good buddy write a nice formula uh, or or show a nice formula. Like, hey, this is how you figure out free fall drift, and it was a really, really good formula. And I'm like, yo, can't we just do this? And I gave him the most simple, basic math available, and he's like, I hate you. Mike White goes, everything you said just made sense. Like, it's I'm not going to have the 100% most accurate, but I'm down to the tenth of what free fall throw is, tenth of a mile. On quick math, basic math. Yeah. And, uh, and I've seen Ken's numbers as well. And Ken, and Ken has got some absolutely phenomenal information. And my Asian nerd brain goes like, yo, no, man, give me an abacus and I'll be good to go. Let's, we're down. I, I can like move rice beans in my head and I know where we're going. Are, is it rice beans? It is now. Yes, rice beans. <laughs> yes, rice beans. Um, so dude, world meat was, was, Absolutely extraordinary. Um, we're going to run out of time to talk about World Meet. So um, as we start getting close to time, Josh, is there any particular things you wanted to share about that meet? Yeah, you know, I mean, we the, just the just the coolness of being around, you know, it's in such an international space. I mean, you remember the you know, the first dinner I was there for, we all went to dinner and invited some people. And I'm sushi. sitting, yeah, we're eating sushi. And I'm sitting there with two Danes, two Germans, uh, two guys from the UK, and then there's the two two Americans sitting there, and we're just having a freaking ball, you know. And it's it's and it, you know, the understanding between everybody was mediocre, especially with the UK guys, because you know their accent was crazy. Now, uh, but uh, but it was just so. But that was that was very indicative of the whole week, you know. Is is you'd be hanging out, we'd be hanging out the LB tent, you know, and God, I mean, everybody at some point or another came through that tent, you know, and, and some more than others, but to just sit there and have these conversations, you know, we talk about, you know, skydivers are skydivers, you know, in the U S you know, skydivers are skydiver wherever you go. Well, that's, that's pretty much true everywhere, you know? And, and, uh, it was so amazing to, to be able to experience that on such a world stage and, and to see the humility, you know, we talk about the pros in our sport and about how the pros in our sport are more accessible than the pros in any, any other sport, you know, as far as, not just not just their physical accessibility, but their their attitude and their lack of ego and their just willingness to help out uh, everybody. And this was no different. I mean, these are not just the pros, not the, just the Red Bull Air Force, not just the you know the, you know those guys, but these are the literally best competitors in the world that the, that every nation has to offer. And it's like going to the drop zone on any other day and hanging out with a bunch of skydivers and. 100% legends on the DZ, uh, like just surrounded by them constantly. And, uh, it was interesting. The LB tent was absolutely unbelievable. Um, DJ was extraordinarily popular. <laughs> Everybody knew DJ. Like they'd walk up and, and, uh, they'd walk up and be like, Oh, hello. And, you DJ. You know, and I was like, Oh yeah, you're DJ. You know, and, dude, it was, Oh my God. Oh my God. You could, <laughs> you could see, yeah, it was, I it had was. a good time. I, I, I've emailed a lot of these people for a couple of years with LMB that, you know, it's, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, with your time in the sport, and yeah, time with the rating center, time with yeah. LB. I mean, you just have a lot of connections. So, and there was a, a lot of that. But so, first of all, we had more traffic in our tent than every other tent combined. And I'm not the one saying this. The other vendors are the ones saying this as well because we're all homies hanging out. Got to hang out with Jesse. Hopefully, he'll be on the show soon. Uh, uh, a couple other people. 
But what was that? Of course, we are also the most popular tent because we had a shitload of batteries, a shitload of wristbands. Um, I literally shipped 15 boxes to World Meat to support it. Uh, and then I have 12 boxes coming home because of the shit we got out. So shirts, hats, stickers, buffs, batteries, wristbands. I went to fucking World Meat with 250 devices to make sure competitors didn't have issues. Fucking Hayabusa on the way up had a problem with one of their audibles and he knew it was going to fuck up. So in free fall, he listened to, whoa, whoa, whoa. Poor guy, man. Dennis is the one on Hayabusa who had this issue. And he came to me to check it out and fix it. And immediately he was like, bro, you're in competition. We're not going to worry about this. Here's a brand new unit. Let's set it up for you right now. Let's get you back in the sky. My, I said it to competitors time and time again. You should be focusing on turning points. You should be focusing on, on doing what you're doing. Let, let me deal with your batteries. Let me deal with your broken cases. Let me make sure you're in the air with good stuff. So, of course, we're the fucking most popular tent. We're really the only vendor who can provide service on our products in the field. I will add the moderator of US Under Skydiving uh, wanted to make a correction that LB was the most popular tent until SunPath would open their bar. Absolutely. So. 100%. <laughs> True, but I left for that part. Yeah. Pat Thomas, the uh, owner what, of proper. SunPath, mm. did not have a bar set up in the SunPath tent. She manned the bar in the SunPath tent. Um, there were not very many company owners sitting in their tent serving the competitors yeah, that in is any a way. Very admirable move. And it was so. not just like it was not your typical like conference. Oh, like we have no. this punch and I have some vodka. Mm-hmm. Like this was a no. proper full bar with good shit Hell like yeah. choices not, of yes. wine choices of alcohol choices of beer like it was was, was this like open bar that yes yeah this shit as long yeah. as they had it it was yours yeah. wow. and what was even crazier was pat had a couple of her guys and gals around her helping tin bar it didn't fucking matter man martin soulsby is on microclimate was immediately back behind the bar helping whip drinks uh another guy would come and just people were just helping back to that community of badassness but in the LB tent, it was it was crazy. Literally had the Ascend guys hanging out on multiple occasions. Had uh, Marco, the guy winning speed, come hang out for a bit. Had Arizona airspeed people. Hayabusa came and chilled. Microclimate took over the tent for like half a fucking day. Oh, the UK the guys. Away team. Oh my god! And it, dude, just to to be able to have all these people come and and of course back to it, we had all the candy, so they hung out with us. But to to sit and chill. And interact with these people and to know that these are the best that there are. And, and in quite many cases, the best that there ever been. Because we're such a young sport, it's very easy to, to be there and to see how they were treating people. Whether, you know, me, I mean, really, yes, I, I run the sponsorship form, but I'm nobody said and done to these people. You can argue that all you want. And Josh was about, <laughs> I'm to, about to, but Josh is an absolute nobody to them. Absolutely true. And they treated him with the same respect and the same dignity. They didn't recognize his name. They didn't, you know, oh, my God, I've been waiting to meet you. But they were eager to meet him. They were eager to introduce themselves to him. And they were eager to treat everybody the same way, man. Well, you you talk to all of them and, you know, especially you talk to him about LB and and there's clearly LB has set the bar for customer service when it comes to, um, you know, I mean, the skydive market. And and that was pretty much the... Uh, the common theme through, you know, everybody that they talk to, you know, it's like, well, you know, 
you know, you were you would be so humble about it, and you'd be so thankful. And no, thank you guys. And they'd be like, no, this is I've never, you know, the customer service. I emailed you, emailed me right back, and now, you know, I'm meeting you, and and this is this has been an amazing experience. So that's clearly, you know, LB has established itself in that market, and, and a lot of that is is let's be honest, is you're doing um, with the way that you've communicated since you've been a part of LB, and and they've recognized that too. Uh, and I I appreciate that, but I will say I followed in the footsteps of Mads, the one of the founders of Larson and Bruce Card. Uh, Mads has set that foundation. Mads and Niels set the foundation for customer service in our industry, period. Um, I found that out as a young jumper and then eventually learned more about it in my time. So my goal has been to uh, honor Mads and Niels and do what they would have done. Um, and something that that um, Jacob, uh, st- uh, you learned to say Jakob during Jakob. this. Um, Jakob, um, properly pronounced Jacob in, in Danish. Uh, Jakob and Stefan, the owners, uh, say regularly with me, uh, we commonly say, it's about the people, it's about the people. And if you put the people first, if you take care of everybody around you, we have zero doubt we will get what we've earned, we will get what we are sowing. We are out there pushing out a product, and the product is people, the product is passion, the product is taking care of each other, and we happen to make the fucking best altimeters on the market. It Just hurt. saying, man. Um, when you pair those two things up, um, it, it was a blessing. The gifts that I received this week from various teams, I mean, it's not like a super expensive gift, but Arizona Airspeed made sure that I felt welcome, made sure they brought me a team. Airbus, do you know about these Airbus teams? Uh, I've heard it mentioned, but I don't know. I don't Airbus Four Way is really, I think, the first Airbus team. Now they sponsor an eight way team. Is it now a they German? Sponsor, it's a German airline. You know the German oh, airline oh, Airbus. Airbus, the manufacturer, they not an airline, but the yeah, the yeah, airplane manu- Airbus, ma- manufacturer. Oh, okay, yeah. They are literally sponsoring these teams. That's awesome. I, I always thought so, Airbus was just a thing. No, the way it was explained to me is that uh, is that. The tunnel, one of the big tunnels, and I can't remember which tunnel it is, but the tunnel that these all these teams train at uh, in Germany is in kind of this this office park and Airbus's corporate office, or it's in this office building next to this office building, right next to Airbus's corporate office. And like commonly, Airbus comes over and uses their space for events and mm. and team building and stuff like that. So Airbus, you know, really ha- you know likes the you know skydiving the the tunnel flying. They're they're really kind of into that, and so then. You know, I think they, they approach him and say, Hey, you know, you know, we have some competitive teams and they're like, Yeah, well, yeah, we'd love to be involved and, you know, throw them a sponsorship. So yeah, yeah it awesome. was, it was super cool to, you don't see a lot of that outside a lot, you know, a lot of that, you know, big corporate sponsorship. Yeah. That's very outside absent. of like football or uh, yeah, soccer, uh, you know, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Skydiving, so. unless we're looking at manufacturers, there just are right. not many big companies that support, especially sport. that have nothing to do with skydiving. You know that the so yeah, that was we really, don't have that the was, budgets right. That was really neat. Well, Airbus definitely has the budget, so yeah. <laughs> that was really neat. But I mean, skydiving companies, we we just don't have the budgets in general. I'm a lot well, more familiar I'm gonna, with them. I'm going to approach Boeing with a sponsorship proposal. <laughs> Dude. Airbus is doing it. Get on it, motherfuckers! Yeah, I want to approach Alani New for a sponsorship. You like that new stuff? That energy drink I gave you, Swigga? Oh, that was really good. Yeah, there's usually a fridge of it here, full full of it. I went out of town, so I ran out, but. uh Next time if you see any in the fridge, feel free to grab one. Um, man, it was a wonderful time. I cannot back to it. I, I've got to throw a huge shout out to Katie. Katie is the event coordinator for uh, Skydive Arizona. The girl's been jumping for about a year. And she's a young lady, a very young lady. And you talk about a burden, being the event coordinator for World Meet. I watched her. I was in her office as she was going crazy and putting out fires. And... 
you could see the freneticness in what she was doing, but you could see the composure through it all. And constantly and commonly, she would end a conversation or interject in a conversation. It will work out. We will make it okay. And it wasn't to people complaining to her. It was to the team and staff around her who were coming to her with issues. Um, the manifest staff were absolutely wonderful to us. We had that bad storm and LMB and Cypress wanted to hide our shit somewhere and they found a private room for us to hide stuff in. They gave us the key to unlock, lock it, unlock it. Um, after we put everything in there, I realized we tracked a bunch of shit into the room. So I went back to manifest and said, I'd like to get the key back tomorrow morning with a vacuum so I can vacuum the place. Man, you know how that goes with these, uh, people don't clean up after themselves. The reception I got from Manifest that morning when I asked for the vacuum, those ladies were glowing. And the rest of the trip, Manifest treated me like a god. And, and that's I buttered them up. Honestly, that's sound advice for any skydiver that goes to any drop zone. Hey, if you want to shine in the eyes of uh, management or instructors or anyone who's who's helping to keep that show going, man, a small gesture like cleaning the floor. Um, or so even just, even just asking, Hey, you guys have a broom I could borrow and you don't even got to share your plan. But when they see you out there cleaning up the mess, especially, uh, or like, uh, sp- like space on, I'll notice like the, the, the student area at the end of the day is looks like a tornado went through it a lot of times. There's can, papers everywhere, sure pins everywhere. Man, if someone did and so a for somebody, around, yeah, that, that goes, you know, collects all the papers, all the pins. Yeah, I mean, that's th- just man, throw away the, the half, uh, drink water bottles that are all over the place. Man, I, it is insane what that can do just for my mood personally to, to see someone contribute to the cleaning of the mess and not the creation of the mess. So, yeah, if you want to shine, you want to make a good impression at any drop zone, man, any, anybody, uh, any adult should know how to clean. And if you don't, man, you, you missed the step. So you need some practice. It was, uh, it, it, it was amazing that, that their staff was unbelievable. Their pilots, their crew, their team. Um, I cannot thank Skydive Arizona's team enough for the hospitality they showed to us, the vendors. Um, and vendors can be a large burden at a drop zone. I think you know that. Fortunately, I think all, most of the vendors were very polite, respectful, and courteous. Um, mad shout out to uh, uh, Randy and the team that he, he had built around him because as good and as friendly as the comp- competitors were, the infrastructure to support them was phenomenal. So I, I just a lot of respect to the people who work behind the scenes. And don't get recognized. Um, I will always rec- will always recognize the champions. Um, it just it's just going to happen. And I've seen tons of posts to them. But guys and gals, if you do listen to this show, if you do ever think about it, if you can ever walk away from an event and throw a shout out to the support team and support staff, man, I am super proud to be a Spacelander, and I'm going to brag on our team for one second. It's not uncommon I see a post from one of our event attendees walking away and throwing props to our team and how they were supported. Oh, 100% all the time. And I'll tell you, as somebody on the inside, as somebody who some of my closest friends are packers and tandem instructors and managers, um, that post, giving shout-out to the DZ, is such a huge morale booster to that team. So make sure you show them that love too, man. Um, congratulations to all you badass competitors. You guys crushed it. I wanted to touch. I also, I, I've been I think, home for like five days in all of October. Because I did the Hall of Fame event as well the weekend before. But uh, yeah, we're not going to get to that. Got to see a bunch of really dope people, a bunch of real badasses inducted into the uh, Skydiving Hall of Fame, including Amy Shimlecki and Eliana Rodriguez, two of the most powerful women ever. Excuse me. Two of the most powerful skydivers ever. Um, I, I really do get a little bit bummed when I hear 
that Jessica Edgington was one of the best female swoopers. Nope. She was one of the best, best swoopers, swoopers, period. Period. End of statement. Jeannie Bartholomew is absolutely a top-tier swooper. Nothing to do with... Well, I don't know why we always put Lady on it, so... I mean, Jessica beat out, like, 15 other dudes, you know, to be second-gen PD Factory team, which was, you know... And she's sweet as fuck, man. Well, Nicest sure. girl in the world. Um, but, yeah, super good trip. A lot of fun. Mr. P, sorry about your luck. I'm back. Happy to have you. I'm back. What happens in uh, woo, two weeks from this weekend? Man, I'm terrified about the film festival, I'll be honest. Why? I've, I've got about 15 seconds of uh, footage for the video that I'm supposed to open <laughs> the film festival with. So, man, I'm fucking trying. But the there are... I figured out what I want my intro to be. Uh, I'm not having a lot of cooperation or just bad luck with getting it to align and, and getting that footage shot. Do you need but, my help? Uh... Maybe, maybe. Yeah, so I need I need help from a lot of people at the drop zone. So if you if you hear this and you see me not running around like a chicken with my head cut off at the drop zone, and you say, "Hey, I want to help you with your video," uh, let's go, let's go, let's go, man. Um, so, but we, you're just gonna that if you say that you're uh, you're submitting to being silly in front of the camera. You're, yeah. All, all you got to do is is be have fun and be silly, and maybe some people are watching. I don't know. Yeah, I Nick has put me behind a camera in front of a camera a lot of times, and for the longest time, anything that had me on camera, especially interviews, never made it public because I was super uncomfortable being in front of cameras. And Nick actually got me to the point where I can be very comfortable in front of cameras. Um, he got me to the point where I can have a lot of fun and be silly in front of the camera and enjoy it. So if you are worried about getting in front of his camera, no Nick knows how to pull it out of you and have a good time. Wait a minute. <laughs> pull it out of you, put it in you. Who knows what's going to happen? Sorry. Um, film Festival, uh, there's always been 12 entries. Always has been. We've, we've not been under that number, I don't think, one year. Maybe one year there was 11. So this year I've said if there are at least 12 entries, I'll throw a $500 cash prize on top of it all. I feel pretty comfortable throwing that cash prize out there that I'm going to lose 500 bucks, which super happy to do. But I want to see more than 12. So I thought, how do we get 15? And I think the problem we have is people are afraid that they can't put out the best video. Man, hang on. We'll keep talking. People can't put out the best video. That, that's what people's fears are. Well, number one, our first film festival was won by somebody with 100 jumps who got footage from all her homies and put a dope edit together. Uh, Jesse Tex has done an absolutely phenomenal video and didn't get the highest votes because people connect with what they can do. And let's be real. Ain't none of us in this room <laughs> fucking Jesse, man. That dude is... a. Uh, fucking he's just a, a crusher man so the videos that do the best have the real skydiving in it the funnels the goofy stuff the, the, the everyday whatever um that's who's winning but i realize people are afraid to enter because they can't win but a lot of you think you can play second so if we have at least 15 entries second place gets 250 bucks all of this is coming out of my pocket or whoever pays my bills pockets. Um, but straight up, man, I am throwing $750 out if we get at least fucking 15 entries. You can take second. I want you to tell all your friends that I'll throw that money out. I want to spend $750. It's worth my entertainment that night. So what do you have, Mr. P? Uh, so there's this hip-hop artist that I follow. His name's Harry Mack. Do you, do you, oh, you guys know him? Mm -hmm. Freestyle Harry Mack. Give me three words. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's this guy. So yeah. he, just a, a brief uh, explanation. He, do you know what Omegle is? 
So no. Omegle is a website where you get on <laughs> oh, Omegle, it, yes. and it matches yes. you with Sorry. a stranger somewhere in yes. the world and you have a video conversation. Yep. So he does this and he just approaches strangers on the street and says, hey, give me a few words. I'm going to use your words in a freestyle rap. He's super creative. He's incredible. We saw him live here in Houston. Um, man, really, really talented guy. And I, I listened to a lot of his content. And uh, I watched this video today. And uh, I, I, let's see if my phone will transfer the audio here. Sounds good. Enough. You want to sound yeah. great? You have to be 100% willing to sound terrible and to lean into that with everything you have, you know, and just to let go of like, oh, it's not ready or it should have been this. It should have been that. Or why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. the music will keep you honest. You can only do exactly what you can do right now at this moment. So it's best to clear all the thoughts out and and, 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 and let it flow. So I, I heard that and it's like, it's like, man, just dare to to give it a shot. Like, hey, even even if uh, your video, even if you know it's not going to be the best, man, make what you can make and come and just enjoy a good night with your friends. And 100%, that is it right there. I don't, I started this film festival with one goal and one goal in mind only. I want to throw a cool party where a bunch of friends get to show off their skydives, their fuck-ups, their editing skills, but more importantly, just have a good night together. And that's what the goal is of this. I would love for everybody to spread the word. This is the sixth annual film festival. And, uh, man, last year I said it might be the last one. This year I'm going to say it right now. This ain't going to be the last one. We got some hype building. We got some energy building. The Gravity Lab project crew is growing. We're doing more and more. We have a lot more coming with that group. Um, Josh is actually joining us a little bit with, with some of the social media and, and media marketing stuff, uh, with some of the projects we're doing. And I just am surrounded by fucking ninjas and I want to throw parties with them. So I got to know about your video and then we'll wrap it up. All 15 seconds of it. Yes, man. It's a funny 15 seconds so far. <laughs> you asked me once upon a time, actually on the show. Do we have to be able to put it on social media? Because you were worried about the content not being able to get on social media. Yes. I mean, uh, because of my position in life and at the drop zone, I don't want to get myself or anyone else in trouble. And I just want to be able to say some cringy, inappropriate shit that's going to get a good reaction from my friends. You need like a ghostwriter, like a, like a, like a, pin name like oh this isn't nick Lott. this is lick knots video dude, dude, lick knot is a great is a great nickname lick you know th this I, I you're not the first person who's i really like it because you you know the when you tie a knot in a balloon balloon knot, balloon knot mm -hmm. how it looks a whole yep. lot like a butthole uh -huh. lick knot with the balloon knot dude i love it Oh, God shit's, damn. Shit's good. It's like any time your cat turns oh, away from you, it's like, oh, here's the balloon. You know what? Just play yeah. the music. Let's get yeah. the fuck out of here. We can't even stop that, on a better man. note than that. We don't. Uh, guys and gals, to see Nick Lot Lick Knots, you have to show you up to the to film to festival. You have to watch the video that lives. You cannot <laughs> see it any other place. That's right. It's incentive. Show up, be there, or get fucked. Lick Knot featured. Featuring what? Lick Knot. A, I got man, a, a lick knot production. I see it. I went from like nuts to suddenly a picture of a because I picture red balloons, mm. a red butthole. I mean, you just yeah, the totally ninety nine new balloons. Whole mm. new song to me now. Mm. Mm, lick knot. <laughs>